Hey, y'all, we still got some flag football content for y'all. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the NJCAA flag football championship here. Now, obviously, this is the junior college division of flag football here. And while there were some games, you know, going on through the weekend, we couldn't really cover them. We didn't have the bandwidth or spread to do that. But I was able to watch the championship game between Florida Gateway and Heston here. Now, this was the very first ever NJCAA championship here. And that was played between Heston Community College and Florida Gateway Community College here. So let's go ahead and just talk about it. So Heston will start, and they will pass right here. That would be caught by Kalia Baker, who is a freshman here, for a first down. She would then get the next dump off left before a pass goes for no gain. And on third down, there's an incompletion, and they need to punt. So Florida Gateway, they would start on the 30-yard line going in after a good return. And there would be a pass from Ashley Smith to Shanera Shahid, I want to say is how you say uh, number six's name here. But, you know, for that, she would go all the way to the 15-yard line and pick up a first down, and they would be in the red zone here. But on the very next play, this Heston defense would respond here. Number one, Kaylee Phillips, who is putting on an absolute show here this weekend she would intercept the pass and run it to the opposing 29 yard line you know does break away but the Florida Gateway offense taking good angles to eventually catch up to her and pull her flag so now Heston inside of the 30 yard line here has the ball they have a short throw left takes a couple yards before a drop makes it third down but there would be a great strike over the middle here to Kira Steps. That is number 22 out of Wichita, Kansas here, who catches the pass and gets a first down. They then try a shovel pass on the next play for no gain. And then the Florida Gateway Blitz is getting to this Heston squad here and you know is forcing incompletions here. So... They try a rollout left here that sets up 4th and 11 and would eventually turn over on downs. So, Florida Gateway, they would get the ball on their own 11-yard line and they would open up with a pass to their own number 11, Mackenzie Fillion here, who would pick up a few yards here. About 8-yard gain. Then they would throw a hitch to Mackenzie who is in the slot right position here for a first down. But Heston, they come back, and Cheyenne Blazer actually forces some pressure here on the Florida Gateway passing game, and that would be an incompletion here before two more short incompletion, two more short completions would lead to a punt here. So very defensively driven game so far here. And Heston, they're going to get the ball on their own 23 with just, just a little under three minutes here in the first, but they get a quick incompletion, and, you know, Florida Gateway, they are sending two rushers on a lot of these plays here, eventually forcing third and 13, and on this play, Heston tries to keep two blockers back, but 
That is not enough because they're forced to do a dump off and that is stopped at the line of scrimmage with a great flagpole. And they'll have to punt once again. So this time, Florida Gateway, they're going to start on their own 31 and run a speed option right that would get to the 38-yard line and that would end the first quarter. Now on third and two, there's a diving effort that falls short, but they go for it and they are lined up in a bunched formation and snap the ball very quickly they line up and just do a direct snap and pick up a first down. Now, this puts them on the 39 going in. They have a throw right that picks up about six yards, and then they throw left to number 16, Jasmine Thompson, who makes a sweet move, a nice juke here, and laterals to number seven, which is Claudia Taylor, who gets all the way to the 23-yard line. Now, on second and three here, Heston will blitz the corner towards the jet sweep, but the jet sweep is has the option of throwing a double pass and makes a great jump pass to number six here, Shanara Shahid, for a first down. Now, on the very next play, Cheyenne Blazer of Heston would sack the quarterback for a four-yard loss, but once we get to another jet sweep here, this time going to Destiny Lockett. She makes some people miss and gets all the way to the five-yard line. And then number one here, Ashley Smith, would find the target. Ariana Coleman here for the score and the fake pitch right pass left for the PAT would be successful. So Florida Gateway would be up 7 to nothing with 7.09 in the first half. So Heston, after slowing down Florida Gateway for a few drives, they get beat by the jet sweep and want to bounce back here with a score of their own. They have a dump off for about two to three yards, but the pressure is, you know, getting into the Heston backfield very quickly. But Heston does draw a roughing the passer call here, and that gives Heston a first down. Now, to start, there's a pass that's a little too high, and then a pass that's almost picked. They take a timeout and don't pick up anything and eventually punt. So Florida Gateway, they get Heston to jump off sides here. And so with a solid start for Florida Gateway here, they are passing it early and often on this drive, trying to get a score before halftime here, going to some of her favorite targets, Ariana Coleman, as well as Mackenzie Fillion on this drive, uh, who are making people miss. And they eventually get all the way into the red zone with some deep passes and some good moves by specifically Mackenzie Fillion, who makes a lot of people miss and gets all the way into the red zone. But, you know, Florida Gateway, here they are on the 11-yard line going in, rolls out left, and who else other than Kaylee Phillips, number one for Heston, gets another interception and kills this drive here. So, you know, th this would lead to two more short drives here. I mean, Kaylee Phillips is balling out on offense. You know, she's doing the most. She's at quarterback. She's running the ball herself as well. She picks up a first down herself. Just calls her own number here. And then, you know, Florida Gateway, they do get some good plays on defense. Kyla Desmartin here has a great pass breakup where she kind of flies out of nowhere and bats it down here. And then the pressure is just forcing hard completions. Or the pressure is making completions hard to come by is what I should say here. Heston, they use their last timeouts here, and they end their drive on an overthrow on the 30-yard line going in. 
And this would basically take us to halftime, where Florida Gateway would start out the gate in the second half here. They have an incompletion, quarterback keeps, and then there is a big penalty here called on Heston for unnecessary roughness that pushes the Timberwolves of Florida Gateway to the 31-yard line going in. They go left for a gain of seven, and then a check down to number 14 here, who's going to be none other than Zamario Granado. She picks up a first down here, um, all the way to the 29-yard line. Then there is a pump fake, and then run by the quarterback here, Ashley Smith, keeping it herself. And on this drive, they're in the red zone here, and they throw left. And Kaylee Phillips, with her third interception this game, is putting on a fantastic show for a lot of these NAIA schools to potentially recruit her. I mean, she was the best player on the field basically at any given moment in time, and her athletic ability could also be huge on offense. But as safety, she gets her third interception in this national championship game. Heston, only down by a touchdown, trying to pull themselves back into this game. But they do have to start this drive on their own six-yard line. They roll out with an incompletion, but then Zalia uh, Bobrin here does get a pass left here and picks up a few yards, but eventually Heston will have to punt on this drive. So, Florida Gateway on their own 36 after a solid Heston punt here. They throw right, and then a lateral following that leads to a first down, so getting past midfield. And then it's crazy here. Ashley Smith takes off, and there's three defenders all around her, and they all somehow miss, and she rumbles ahead to the 24-yard line. So she picks up you know, a good 15 yards here, but on the next play, they try and get their act together here. Kira Steps, number 22 for the Heston squad, has a great flagpole at the line of scrimmage. But then on third and four here, Florida Gateway is going to take a delay of game penalty, which is no good, and pushes them to third and nine. They have a quick strike to the middle that sets up fourth and four, but those five yards on the previous play would have been good for a first down instead of a drop that leads to a turnover of down turnover on downs here. So Heston, they're going to get the ball with 4.16 left in the third here. They have a couple of incompletions here before QB1 rolls out right and dots up Kalia Baker here, who picks up a solid gain. And this sets up, you know, still fourth and long, to be fair. But, you know, they're going to drop back here. They're going to try and pick up this first. It is time to, it's that point in the game where it's time to go for it. But they would be responded to by Florida Gateway getting a huge sack enforcing a turnover on downs. Now, Florida Gateway on the 31-yard line, they are trying to stomp out any flames or hopes by Heston here, but they would only fuel Heston's hopefulness here as Kira Steps makes an incredible one-handed interception to give Heston the ball back. Now, they come out here and throw a pretty contested pass that does hit the turf, but on second and five, Kaylee Phillips is going to keep right for herself and set up third and one. They would then do a very quick throw to Lizzie Hines, who's the center here or the snapper for a first down. Now they have a short throw right to number eight, Samantha Espinoza here that would end the third quarter. 
Now on second 11, they do have a false start, which is unfortunate, pushing them all the way back here. And then number 17 for Florida Gateway, Ariana Coleman. She makes a great play on the ball to break up the pass. And on third and 16, they have a flag pulled at the line of scrimmage and will have to punt here. Now, Florida Gateway here, they're on their own 24 to start, and they actually fumble the handoff all the way back to the 19-yard line. But a speed option left would get them right back to the 26. And on third and 14, Ashley Smith would find Mackenzie Fillion, who runs all the way to the 21-yard line. Now they have first and one until the red zone, and a speed option left is disrupted by number 22, Kira Steps, who bats the ball down and forces a small loss. Now, Florida Gateway, they take a timeout here, and they call the quarterback's number, who picks up the first, and then a shovel pass is stopped by stopped at the line of scrimmage, and the quarterback keeps for a few for third and 13 before she throws a strike to Jasmine Thompson, who extends and breaks the plane for the score. The conversion to number four for the Timberwolves. Destiny Lockett is good, and they are up 14 to nothing with 5.46 left in the game. Heston comes out. There's a really high snap that gets downed all the way at the 6, and they are definitely in their heads at this point. They will not bounce back from this, and eventually the ball would get back into Florida Gateway's hands here, who would score one more time here and not convert on the conversion, but they would hoist the NJCAA trophy here following a 20-0 win over Heston College to become the very first NJCAA flag football champions. Obviously, congratulations to Heston and Fort Scott Community College for playing a lot of games this weekend. Uh, NJCAA still has a lot of room to grow, but a lot of these players could also definitely play on the NAIA level. I saw a lot of talent when I was overlooking Fort Scott and, you know, Heston, obviously, they made it to the championship here by being the second-best team there. And congrats to Florida Gateway Community College. I mean, they do a great job of recruiting the Florida area. There, It's in their own backyard. And Florida being, I'm going to say, like, the Texas of flag football at this moment in time. And Texas is um, just a little bit behind, I'd say. But uh, with all the years that they have, Florida producing lots of great talent and helping them win this game here. But a lot of athletes putting on good shows for the NAIA coaches who were in attendance and taking notes, trying to get some of those players over. Heston, obviously, getting eyeballed heavily by KWU, since that's not a very far trip. And then, you know, some of the Florida teams taking a look at Florida Gateway and Fort Scott Community College as well. So, Congratulations to all those teams. Congratulations to the first ever NJCAA champions of flag football, Florida Gateway Community College. And I can't wait for these teams and sports to continue to grow. Coming up next, our reactions to the tournament this past weekend. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Playmakers Corner. And we're going to continue this episode after that short break. Uh, you just got done listening to the recap of the NJCAA championship, but now both Coach V and I on this segment are going to just be giving our raw reactions. Now, on Friday's episode, you listened to our full recap of the tournament, game by game and play by play, and kind of you know 
us filling in the gaps there. And if you haven't, be sure to check out that episode. That is episode 261 that just came out a few days ago. So check that out. But this is more of, you know, what was our personal reaction to teams as well as the tournament itself. Simon, isn't that a pretty good intro to kind of what we're about to do on this segment here? Yep, pretty much. I mean, uh, we we tried not to keep, you know, too many opinions in last week's episode. Uh, just because, hey, it's going to be a really long run time for that episode anyways. So first off, appreciate it if you listen to the whole thing. And second off, I mean, this episode, we're really just going to, you know, just talk about everything that we wanted to last episode. And uh, it's going to be real opinion based too, right? So if you don't agree with it, that's fine. It's still our opinions. I mean, it's not going to change, right, Cody? No, and I think I just thinking of that that like me, that's just my opinion. That's that's where we're going to be at with this episode. But uh, you know, I think that there there's a lot of good opinions to to talk about on this episode with such a crazy tournament like you said. But with the recaps, there's just not enough time in the day to, you know, put everything into that episode. So that's why we wanted to break it up because I mean, this is just such a monumental tournament. I think each tournament that, you know, follows uh, the prior tournament for this NAI flag football is massive for the sport and uh, massive to talk about. So, you know, and it's only going to keep getting bigger, but you know, we'll, you know, kind of dissect that in a bit, but you know, I'll go ahead and kind of talk about what I was able to kind of get the vibes of, you know, in Atlanta. So I, I should, I land in Atlanta, uh, take a little nap in the airport, uh, before making my way up to Marietta to the Franklin sports complex. And, you know, I will say, you know, firsthand that it it was a solid sports complex. Um, you know, some of the markings probably could have been a little bit better, um, at that facility. Um, but you know, obviously it it did what it needed to do. It rained really hard and, uh, more details on that in, in the recap episode for sure. But no, that was the first day. It's basically three fields all kind of set up and, you know, they had a nice setup with like the tournament bracket and NFL flag was, you know, basically everywhere that you looked, they had a trainer on site, uh, that was kind of roaming between field to field to, you know, make sure everything was running smooth and taking care of players if and when they needed help and also helping wrap ankles and stuff. So, you know, I think that it was a pretty solid setup. And, uh, you know, the operations team was very helpful in, you know, getting the media pass. So shout out to NFL Flag that I think did overall a really good job on this tournament and also got to connect and talk with some of those people. So definitely wanted to shout them out here while, uh, you know, I... I had the mic here, but you know, coach V obviously your reaction is going to be a little bit different because we did have to adapt, uh, at times on this very first day for sure. Well, okay. Throughout the tournament in general, we had to adapt, but, um, you know, there was definitely some bloopers. I would call them as far as the streams go from what you were saying. Yeah. And before we even like hop into that, uh, I want to shout out our friends, at NAIF ball, specifically Corey out there. I know he was announcing a lot of uh, 
geez, a lot of this tournament, to be honest with you, there's really only one of him, so I guess there's only so much he could have done, but he did an excellent job, and I mean, I really want to give NAIF uh, a lot of credit here, because they did help bring you know, more quality streams. Compared to last year, this year was like at least 100 times better. You know, first off, there's an announcer. So <laughs> there's someone there to like, you know, kind of tell you what's happening in case you just couldn't quite get a good angle or whatever. Because, I mean, and this is still a problem with uh, the stream, which I'm not blaming them at all. This is like their first time doing you know, this and then having a, an announcer as well. So I know it's a lot of moving pieces and that alone is a lot. But, you know, there's not like scoreboards on the screen or, you know, a clock to really tell, like, I guess how much time there is or what the downs are. So it's really important to have an announcer there. But yeah, so it was just really helpful having announcers, you know, talk about the games it really just kind of set the perspective a little bit better because i remember last year first off i don't know what was happening with the camera you know during pool play and bracket play but it was real zoomed out it was really hard to i guess see who was making plays and i mean honestly it was so bad that it just got to some point that i mean there were just some players that like i definitely recognized right, who was out there, obviously the quarterbacks, but like, I guess like a player like Kennedy Foster, I knew who she was when she was out there, when she hit that gritty and whatnot, as she did last year, and so I literally had to go off of stuff like that, like after the score, to really just see who scored, but with announcers, I mean, I think it was so much better, and this was such a big step forward, I mean, a lot of credit to him, I know he was probably like doggone exhausted, out there announcing his heart out but just did a really good job especially on that first day too there were two fields and there were two different announcers uh talking and all that doing what they can and you know i i don't think originally they were even planning for that you know but uh, a lot of credit to them for helping convince NFL flag to allow them to put up uh you know their setup and announce and do all of that great stuff so i want to make sure nai f ball gets the roses because uh, they did such a good job on this tournament you know and so for me at home it really helped me out covering games being able to see who's there and plus also these are guys that like i personally trust like we have them vote on our polls and so i like take their analysis pretty seriously you know, and I take it into effect when covering these games, recapping, doing all that stuff here, because uh, I know they know what they're talking about. They watch probably just as much as we do. So there's a lot of respect there. And make sure you follow them on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube as well. They post a lot on YouTube. They also cover any I uh, men's football as well. So got to give them a plug. Right, Cody? I mean, they did so much for this tournament. And I think we got to give them their flowers, right? Absolutely. I mean, I got to talk to Corey at the end of this first day here. And yes, he was him and I were on the same wavelength of exhaustion. I mean, he was just chilling on the bleachers, like sprawled out, basically just whooped. Because like you said, I mean, he was just added and, you know, it was a it was a grueling day. I'm not going to lie for everyone involved, I mean, athletes, coaches, staff of NAIF ball and NFL flag trainers, refs, myself, it was, that first day was really long. 
compared to the other days with that early start being further away and, you know, uh, all the games that were obviously played on that first day. It was really jam-packed. So, yeah, no, absolutely got to give them their flowers there. And, uh, you know, he's a very cool guy to, to also meet as well. And uh, that was fun. And I'll just say for the tournament in general, it was really fun to put uh, names to faces and and do all that and, you know, speak on behalf of Simon and, and shout him out as well. So, but yeah, I heard you were a pretty yeah. popular guy out there. I mean, you know, I, even with the uh, retro logo on, you know, it was I was still able to, you know, kind of point out like, hey, you know, what's up? And, and uh, oh, Playmaker's Corner. So I also want to just take some time to shout out all of our listeners, the players, the coaches and everybody and uh, the parents as well that tune in. And, you know, I, some parents were telling me that they do some scouting uh, with the recaps as well. And, you know, they uh, Simon, also to give you your due, uh, you, you're pretty popular down there, too. And a lot of uh, a lot of athletes were very sad that you couldn't make it. But, uh, you know. We, we put that on, on injured reserve. Simon was on IR. So, um, but he'll be out there next year. I'm calling it now. I'm calling the shot. So. I, I, even if I was hurt or wasn't hurt, I really probably couldn't have made it out there. Uh, hey, hey, man, it's a little bit of a crunch out here. Not going to lie. But, uh, you know. Facts. We're, <laughs> we're doing our best, right? I, I put it on the credit card. Yeah, no, I know Cody did that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be paying for this for like a year, but it's all right. But we did. <laughs> hey, but honestly, it's worth it. Um, oh, no, for sure. 100%. I want to I want to get a little personal here. I want to get a little personal here. Okay, because we do cover Colorado high school football, both girls and uh, boys. Obviously, girls just started this last year. And uh, that was real frustrating, not because it's bad football, but because check out our last episode. <laughs> When we talk about how frustrating it was to get uh, information and the depths we had to go to do that in our own state, which we basically run, not to sound, you know, conceited, but we have a lot of connections here. So it was ridiculous how hard it was to find information between the hundreds of connections we have. But anyways, you know, with that, uh, boys football, which, you know, really, I don't know if it's just Colorado or if it's just men's sports, but like it takes a toll on you both physically and mentally, especially mentally, especially these last two years, because we have not held back. And there are some teams that don't deserve to be held back on uh, just like we won't on this you know, episode for sure, obviously for the women, but it's a lot. You know, and then covering women's flag football when we can. I mean, for myself and Cody, we both work, at least up to now, we both work in sports and uh, parks and rec, basically. And so we're like, you know, watching games when we can. Usually it's pretty late or pretty early. I mean, we're getting updates from each other. We're getting updates from people who are there or whatever, uh, or from athletes sometimes even. And so we really work hard to stay updated and put out as much like recent news as possible about women's flag football uh, while basically working at the same time. Don't tell our bosses that. But, I, well, some of them even know. I'm not even going to lie. Some <laughs> of them even know. But it doesn't affect our job, obviously. But it's definitely a lot. 
you know, and so this last, in my opinion, the last two years has really weighed heavily uh, personally on me. And so I wasn't even there, but it made me really happy to hear how many people were happy with our coverage and appreciated us and all that, which, you know, every now and then it's great to feel appreciation. We don't do it, you know, to be appreciated. We do it to cover the sport and the great athletes of this thing. But, you know, a little affirmation never hurt anybody. It really never did. And uh, it felt like a reboot, honestly. Uh, It felt like a revitalization, not only for, you know, myself, but definitely for Cody, who had his eyes opened a little bit uh, watching a lot of this football and just, I mean, it's just a different vibe, you know? Keep in mind while I'm here and, you know, I just want to speak to the community of flag football. It's just, it's a good community. It's a good sports community and culture. And uh, it's not its not what we're used to, whether that's at our day jobs or in other aspects of the pod. We're not used to a strong, unified front on how to advance the sport of football, how to cover it. And, you know, every everything that we hit on with our opinion, we're doing to try and advance the sport. And the blowback that we get from entire communities that really haven't proven anything is nuts. And I think part of the reason that we don't really get that as much with flag football is, I mean, look, these are college athletes. Like, they know what they're about. You know what I mean? And I was even telling some of them, you know, a lot lot of, you know, these women were almost, like, overly grateful, I'd say. and, And we're like, thank you so, so much. I'm like, hey, like... We're covering college. You are a college athlete. This is college athletics. This is a big deal. Like, take some take some pride in that. And so, you know, it was, it was fun to try and build that up and just really, like, nourish a lot of these relationships with these athletes that are really pioneers. You know, I, I, I want to say, like, you know, meeting a lot of these players is it's like meeting, you know, founders of, of a truly larger movement, and that's 100% true. So... I think that, you know, I think that's just, I, I agree. It's what I'm trying to say as I trip over my words here with, with what Coach V had to bring up. And it was just a really positive atmosphere and a really good one, no matter basically any team that I approached, win, loss, or whatever. And, you know, something re- reaction-wise that I'd want to say in general about this tournament, a little bit of a transition, a little off-topic, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of these athletes know each other on a first name basis, you know, like at the showcase that I'll talk more about later, but Ottawa and Cotty and KWU players were all, you know, chatting it up with each other while, you know, doing a little bit of scouting and, you know, just chopping it up. There's a lot of respect for all these athletes to other athletes, uh, no matter what the program, I mean, Weber and Kaiser are, are super tight. Weber and Thomas are super tight. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of love and respect for all of these teams amongst these programs for one another. And I just think that's awesome. I really think that is, that's a huge deal. And I think that, you know, to nurture a strong culture like that's going to do wonders for this sport as it continues to grow and evolve. And, you know, it's just, it's way more welcoming. Um, I would say, especially as a member of the media, but you know, I just say in general, it's, it's very, welcoming as far as just you know whether you're an athlete I would encourage you to you know if this is a potential path for you 
very welcoming environment. The coaches are all good. You know what I mean? You're getting some great coaching from a lot of these, these coaches that, you know, know how to nourish these college athletes and, and get the most out of them. So a uh, great way to be involved. And, you know, these scholarships, uh, getting to overhear some of these offers from the showcase, more on that later, but you could get a decent chunk of your school taken care of for real. So, you know, I, I can't wait to see this sport continue to go crazy as these elite athletes continue to push the sport forward together, really. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my two cents on just the culture of it in general. But Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. I don't really have too much more to add on to that. So, I mean, I guess with that being said, let's talk about the change of format here real quick. So it changed from a, you know, a gold bracket, silver bracket thing to a double elimination tournament. Uh, And so I'm just going to go over this one more time. Basically, that means if you get or if you lose, you're not out, you know, but you'll go to the loser side. You have to probably play more games. It's definitely a little bit more tedious because, you know, it's over a span of three days. So it's not like you really have more than, I don't know, more than 24 hours to rest. So obviously you don't want to do that, but it also gives you another chance and gives you an opportunity to learn from your mistakes and play higher quality, smarter football. Because at the end of the day, there's only so much talent could like bring you. And I think we really saw that in this tournament. Uh, But, you know, it comes down to coaching. You know, it comes down to some coaches beating other coaches straight up. You know, and working just a little bit better with what they have. Because that's all you got, you know, when you're this late in the season. You have the squad you have, uh, despite injuries or whatever. And you got to work with it. And I think a lot of these coaches did such a great job, honestly. Uh, I think every team really should be proud of how they played in this tournament. They're probably, you know, a lot of them are probably not happy with the outcome, uh, which is natural. I mean, you know, you could only have one winner, right? But from a media outside perspective, uh, compared to how they played during the regular season, I think you could be happy with how the season ended and at least know that you're taking a step forward and have something to work with here. So there you go there. But really love this format. I think it caused a lot of natural drama, which makes for even better storytelling for us. Right, Cody? Oh, absolutely. No, I think that the I was a huge fan of this reformat, honestly. And, uh, you know, just like especially, you know, in the bottom bracket, how dire a lot of these games were. And I think that the lower bracket actually had the majority of great games of of this tournament, really. Uh, just because, you know, with backs against the wall, things do go a little different and get crazy. And, you know, that's, once again, listen to the recap uh, for for some of those matchups in the bracket. But, you know, I think, I think it was a fun way to do it. Uh, it wasn't quite what they were aiming for from what I understood talking to uh, the Kaiser coach. They were going for more of like a wrestling double elimination where if you lose the best you could do is third kind of thing, uh, which I totally get. But, you know, I think that uh, turning the, the series that turned into, or the games that turned into a series uh, was an interesting little twist that was kind of fun as well. So that is interesting. I, I wouldn't mind that either. Um, but, I, you know, I do like this as well, like just not being out of it because, 
you know, in a three-day span, you really just got to work with what you got. I think it's really easy to get into your own head, I would say, and overthink a good or bad performance. And so affording one bad performance, I think, is fair enough, you know. But if they changed it, I wouldn't be mad at it either, right? Well, we got two more games out of it, you know, at the end of the day, which it, which is fun and uh, makes it makes it worth. But you know, um, it it I, I could see the appeal and the allure of the other one as well. Like that makes sense, and that's a tournament format that's been used before. So we'll see what they decide to do heading forward for sure. But you know, I think that there's a lot to see and react for. Uh, heading forward for a lot of these programs as well. Yes, and before we talk about those programs, so there was a little curveball that was thrown into this uh, tournament right before it started. So Reinhardt pulled out right before, and I, I mean, I, and I get it, right? I mean, look, they were a first-year program; they haven't played in kind of a long time. School has been over for a bit. I mean, I don't know really what you expected. But, you know, I understand trying to keep the dignity of your squad, and uh, which I don't even know if that's the reason, to be honest with you. But I get it if it was, you know. And, I mean, you're a first-year program, right? I think it's definitely important to focus on recruiting and, you know, working with what you got and continuing to build with those uh, relationships. Uh, you know, just like St. Mary's, just like Bethel, you know, I definitely understand that, right, Cody? Uh, obviously missed having them there. I think it would have been fun, but I mean, I get it. We'll see them next year, hopefully, as well as a, a revamped Milligan squad as well. You know, I think that that's that's the goal is to continue to grow this. And I think, you know, as more teams get there, uh, you can tinker around with the format of the tournament a little bit too. But uh, I think that for the amount of teams that were there and for the teams that were there, this uh, double Elim ended up going really, really well, I'd say execution wise. So Yes. From an event standpoint. Yes. And we both work in events. So shout out Northern Colorado. But anyway. Yeah, shout out Malcolm um, from Georgia. Malcolm Perry and Graham. Don't forget Graham. Yeah, and Graham. Graham's not from Georgia, but you know, he's out there. <laughs> Not in Georgia, but in Greeley. <laughs> but anyways, all right, we're, so we're getting a little sidetracked. Let's, let's but yeah, no, get I, to the first I team. Think that, uh, oh, I was just gonna agree with you on on those teams that okay. that we missed, and we're looking forward to seeing them in the future. Yes, but, you know, as far as teams that were there, the way that we're gonna tackle this or flag pull this. No, that was funnier in my head, but we're gonna keep it in the real anyway. Um, is you know we're gonna talk about the teams kind of in the order that they were eliminated and kind of talk about, you know, compare their expectations heading into the tournament as well as, you know, kind of how they did in the tournament. And, you know, one thing that I will say about every single team here is that they put up a very valid fight uh, in, in the tournament. And they played prop every single one of these teams probably played their best football of the season at some point in this tournament. I don't think that that is ostentatious to say, and and infer and I think that that's a great point to bring up with this very first program here in in Cody here who already was building off of a much much improved season and you know looked looked pretty good at times throughout this year and and throughout this tournament you know obviously that matchup against a very familiar foe in Midland uh, wasn't exactly how they wanted to start the tournament and whatnot but boy did they 
fight and scrap in in their second game against Warner. Uh, you know, obviously we're going in order of of where teams were eliminated, but I think that if you're Cotty, you got to be really happy with how that Warner game went, especially with some of the disrespect that was thrown the KCAC's way. Uh, I know that obviously some of the first teams that we're going to talk about in this first like trio of teams are are going to be KCAC teams that were eliminated or whatever, but. You know, I, I still think that they put up really great showings and put up great games and made some serious highlights as well. And, um, you know, I think that uh, the Cotty the and Warner game, that's where Simon got to watch the majority of that. And uh, But even from where I was sitting, as I was, you know, eating food and refueling a little bit because I was running on fumes near the end of, uh, near the end of that day, uh, that Cotty... And Warner game was was going crazy, and all the players that were waiting uh, for their game were were watching that game, and they were pretty dialed into it too. You know, as far as like from watching behind the fence and the energy that was radiating from that field was it was live. And you know, if, if I had literally not been starving and not been Loki food poisoned by undercooked chicken, then I probably would have been way more into it. But you know, I think that 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 was. I think Cody has a lot to be happy about. I got to meet the team, and you know, obviously, shout out to a PMC fam original, Kenzie Murdoch. You know, who's been rocking with us, and we've been rocking uh, basically since we. I, Simon, was she on the very first like flag football episode that we did? I want to say yes, or at least was right. Okay, so yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It so, was her. So Kenzie Murdoch. Alexa Mansur, a starting linebacker for KWU, who had such an excellent year, by the way. Haley Stanton, a quarterback over at Flomo. Uh, and then it was Devin Silvestri, who unfortunately is not playing. Uh, real unfortunately, because I, I love like watching her play and her game. Um, but, you know, she was obviously like a national like, female football player of the year and all that great stuff. Uh, and also eventually won state that year too. Like we covered her and then she won state, uh, which was wild. Right. But yeah, that, that's our OG group of (laughs) women's flag football supporters. there, the very first squad. Yeah. Our very first spotlight. And obviously, you know, we're looking forward to, uh, keeping that, you know, connection going and continuing to, to cover this Cotty team. But, you know, I think that, they have they had a lot to be excited about. They had a, a all their players, I'd say, stepped up in one way or another during parts of the game, and you know made arguably some of their best plays of the season in that Warner game. And I think that you know with some, it sounds like there is some misfortune with health with some of their depth and whatnot throughout the year. And you know I think that you know as this team continues to progress and get healthy and recruit and you know turn up with you know, all, all these players and, you know, these playmakers that they have, that there's a lot to be excited about for sure. And a really fun group of athletes to, to hang out with. And, you know, I'd say they did a pretty good job of, you know, taking everything with a grain of salt. And, you know, they stuck around too for Friday's games and they got to watch a lot of football and, you know, they were dialed in as well and you could see them around and, you know, that was, that was awesome to see. So great, good sports, great sports. Uh, great sportsmanship displayed by that Cotty team. I mean, do we want to talk about Cotty and their games uh, here? I could talk. Let's just talk about this Warner Cotty game. Is that okay? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's, I mean, the, you know, the Midland game, like I said, they, that's a familiar opponent for both Midland and Cotty. Midland, Midland probably played their best football all season in this tournament. Um, and, you know, we'll talk more about them later. But yeah, no, that Warner game from from your recap in the text and just the energy around it was, it, it seemed pretty awesome. Yeah, and I we're going to talk about this more when we talk about Warner. Uh, I don't think Warner was playing bad at all. You're just kind of working with what you have. You know, I mean, both of them are on the loser side already. So if you lose, that's it. And, I mean, Cotty was right there. You know, they took a 13-7 to lead after basically an 80-yard pick six. I, it might have been a little bit more because she started in the end zone, actually. But a, a huge pick six by Joliet Johnson, who honestly is probably one of my favorite players to watch. She's one of those uh, players who played football, like tackle football, in high school. And then, you know, came over and played flag in college. She probably played some in high school as well. But players like her, Caroline Simpson from last year, are like my favorite type of players, right? And that was really fun i was so happy for her to see her go ahead and bring that uh to the house because it was really tough uh it kind of looked like a little bit of a throwaway punt and i was like oh okay that's an o- I-, I could live with that interception right and then she got out the end zone and then she passed the 20 and then she got out to midfield but it started going a little ballistic out there right and that was huge i mean up 13 to 7 in the third quarter it was right there But then Courtney Cromer, I mean, she really took over this game. And I was a little surprised that she didn't play as much here. But, I mean, Courtney Cromer was a quarterback from Jensen Beach who I actually got to break down her film last year. And, you know, so it was really cool, like, seeing her play against this Cotty team because I knew what her game was. And, honestly, I knew she was capable of beating a team like Cotty who – you know, is very tight-knit, has good chemistry with each other, has been playing with each other for, I'd say, a pretty long time. They all get a lot of playing time, you know, with each other these first two years, uh, last year and this year. And so, I mean, it was unfortunate, but, I mean, Courtney Cromer is a fantastic football player and quarterback as well. And so for Cotty to really hang in there and even then, like, still, like, be there, uh, only down 20 to 13 going into, uh, I guess, going into that last little drive and getting a first down and being in positions to potentially score. I mean, that's pretty big time. You know, I mean, you they really pushed Warner. And I think this was the first, I mean, they didn't beat them, right? But this was the first ever Sun Conference team that they had, like, a lead on in program history. Uh, both in the first half and the second half, you know, which is huge because, like, if you just look at this Cotty team from last year or even two years ago, it's really hard to even fathom that they would even be within a couple scores. It's night and day. Yeah. It's night and day. And it's not disrespect. It's a credit to how hard they've worked to get there. You know, they've worked so hard, uh, and they're a great group of – kiddos and athletes out there like you said Cody and they're only going to continue to get better and so if you're this Cotty program and if you're their new head coach who I feel like has done a really good job with what she's got as well I think you got to feel really happy about this squad going into next year obviously you're looking to continue to replenish some spots uh Jennifer Haberstock was a senior uh graduated but 
I believe she has at least one more year of eligibility. She's one of those players that played for three years, one of the few quarterbacks actually in the entire country, along with Madison Carrera, Brianna Hernandez Silva, and uh, Jasmine Roden, who have played for three years. And so this last year, if she does choose to come back, would be her last year. So if you're Cotty, you'd probably definitely need to get a couple quarterbacks a uh, couple more quarterbacks in the mix just in case and continue to recruit good athletes. But altogether, I mean, they played a real tough water team that we know has a lot of talent and is pretty deep. So there you go there. But honestly, really happy with how this Cody team went out to end the season. Uh, Cody, what do you think about what I just had to say? And uh, what are your thoughts on Cody, you know, in this tournament with their season ending and really this entire last season? Well, I think that, you know, the devil's in the details and it's the little things like the fact that they stuck around because some teams, if and when they got eliminated, maybe peeled out a little bit earlier than I thought they should. But, you know, I saw Cotty players throughout the weekend, even all the way up until the championship weekend, not all of them, but some of them. And, you know, I think that that just shows their passion for the game, their support for their fellow athletes and just, you know, where, where Cotty's at. And I, you know, I saw the coach, you know, obviously out there at the showcase. So I think that this team's only going to get stronger and continue to improve. And the fact that the, you know, there is a very sizable gap for the beginning of this program compared to basically every other program in the country. There was a time where this program was at the bottom of the barrel here. And now I can confidently say that they are not in, you know, they're not in the cellar anymore. You know, they're not in that they're not in like the boiler room of relevance here and they're only going to continue to climb up the stairs here. So, well, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, if you want to talk from a recruiting standpoint to have a tournament like this, you know, where you played one of the best teams close, you know, granted they didn't have their starting quarterback, but they had everyone else. Uh, But still to play a team like that pretty close. I mean, that obviously has to help you out recruiting wise, right? You know, because when a recruit asks you, well, why should I pick you over maybe a newer program where I could, you know, make my own legacy and I feel like I might have a better chance? You could always say, well, we have playoff experience and, you know, we played these teams really close and we feel like you're our missing piece. So that's the type of, you know, pitch that I'd give if I was a recruiter for Cotty. You know, you could be our missing piece because this was how close we were. And I think that alone is going to go a really long way just by showing that you can play with some of these top teams in the country, you know. Um, And you'll take that. You know, you'll take that, right? So, yeah, I mean, proud of how far Cody has come. Don't really have too much more to say. Do you, Cody? No, not really. Uh, Once again, absolute pleasure to to me, all the comments, and looking forward to, to more good football here. And, uh, you know, it's it really fun to, to meet a program that we were a little bit more familiar with. I will say this next program, being that, you know, they were a first-year program, obviously we didn't have as tight of those personal connections there. But, uh, you know, it was still fun to, to watch this team operate and, uh, you know, compete very hard in their first-ever NAIA tournament, and, and that's Campbellsville here. Uh, Simon, yes. the reign of this Campbellsville Warner game, I will literally never shut up about it. This is like a formative memory now. Dude, I can't believe that they were still playing. Like, 
was it it rained so hard it was i was my backpack was out in the rain for less than a minute and i thought that my laptop was toast obviously it's not it is being recorded on right now thank goodness uh that would have killed me i will never financially recover from that but you know i think that this campbellsville team you know they they play hard and they play fast and i think that the intensity that they have like the competitors that they have for for a first year program is a great foundation to build off of because there is just so much fire in in this team even if you know even in that last game where you know it, it didn't go the way that they wanted it to against a midland team that was honestly dealing i mean nuñez was oh my gosh she was putting on a master class uh kind of performance honestly so shout out to to her in midland but, you know, this Campbellsville team, I think that they have a lot to be happy about with it. I mean, they're another team that was in an absolute dogfight with Warner and almost pulled off what probably would have been the biggest upset of the entire tournament uh, had they had they beat this Warner team. And so, you know, I think that just the level of competition that they were in and the coaches, you know, I think that they do a great job of challenging their athletes, pushing them. And, you know, like I said, coaching them and improving them to, to be better. And, you know, I saw a good variety of defensive looks from this Campbellsville squad. And they really were trying to play the matchups as best they could. I just think that inexperience was the major factor on their early exit here. Oh, yeah. I, well, here, first things first, Campbellsville hit the lottery. Uh, before this tournament even started, not praying, you know, obviously on the downfall of other first year programs, but they were the only first year program in this entire tournament. Everyone else has been around for two or three years. Uh, Thomas is the next youngest uh, at two years, right? And so Campbellsville being the youngest team in this tournament, youngest program in this tournament is already a big lottery because you're showing all these prospects out here, you know, because there are players that come and watch and will listen to this and all that stuff, but you're showing everyone what you could do and that you can compete and do well. And personally, um, sorry, their head coach is Chris Kidwell, right? That's his name? Yes. I, I didn't get to <clears throat> talk to him for a super long time. But uh, it was still very fun to watch him as as well as his assistants uh, in their element. Well, I, I respect the heck of Kidwell and his team. I actually got to see a little interview that Campbellsville uh, did with him about his team. And I know this is, you know, one of his uh, first years of coaching flag football and also coaching girls, too. But it seems like, you know, the team's really behind him. He gets a lot out of his athletes and they have some great athletes over there in Kentucky. And uh, that's what the majority of this team is made of. You know, that's the soul of this team, Kentucky players. And I feel like he's done a really good job getting as much out of these first year players and freshmen as possible, you know? So a lot, a lot of credit to Kidwell and his squad over there, his coaching staff. Uh, Cause I really like their game and they've always been like that, you know? And I mean, there is a reason why, they scheduled so many hard games in the regular season. They played the toughest teams out of every conference. KCAC, Sun Conference, they played JUCOs, uh, they played, you know, they played everyone, really. And honestly, they had the toughest 
schedule in the entire country, I would say, because of how much they had to travel and all the different types of teams they had to play. I think, uh, actually, maybe I'm tripping. I don't think they played Ottawa. I think I'm thinking of Reinhardt. But Cablesville, I mean, they played a lot of different teams. Being able to experience those teams so early on in the season and then learning from those games, having the, that game film to look back on and have time to really go over all that stuff, I think really benefited Campbellsville and shows just how smart this coaching staff and program is it uh, is and uh, the good hands they are in. Because I think that really put them in a position to not be afraid of anybody in this tournament and not flinch at anybody. You know, now you're not going to cap and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to upset the one seed. We're going to beat Thomas. You know, they're they're not like in that type of mentality, but they're keeping it real. Like, hey, if we're going down, you're going down with us. And I love that. And that's really the vibes I got from watching them play Warner in that rain, toughing it out, having fun. That's football, baby. That's Southern Kentucky football, if I might say so. And so there is such an excellent addition to the NAI in the women's flag football world. And I'm so excited for their future. But, I mean, watching them battle it out in that rain really, to me, wasn't anything new. They've been doing that all season. But this was like the Coleman, uh, Coleman oh my God, what, what, I can't like speak right now. Culmination. Culmination of like all their hard work throughout the season, all the tough losses they took. You don't think they remember getting 50 put on them, I'm pretty sure, by Warner earlier on in the season? Like, be for real, you know? And so, a lot of respect to Campbellsville for really coming out and battling. Like we said, we knew what team they were, and they did too, you know? But they played hard, and I think they earned some stripes here, uh, especially in that first game. Right, Cody? No, absolutely. You know, it's funny that they're the Tigers and you say that they are in their stripes. But, you know, you're exactly spitting here. Okay. Okay. I I believe you. But... Uh, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but anyways, no, I, I walked away with a ton of respect for, for this Campbellsville program. Well, okay. I'm going to be real. I walked away with more respect for every program. Not that I was ever disrespecting any of these programs. But I mean, it's just it's just different when you see it in in person and you're right there. And, you know, they they do have to deal with various elements and various hands that are dealt. But I I think that, uh, you know, and and the culture that they've instilled is it's awesome. You know, these these women are they're fierce. They are intense, you know, and, you know, if if something is is not going right, like, you know, they're they're like, all right, let's get to the next play. I'm a. I'm going to mess someone up. I'm going to snatch some ankles. And, you know, I think that, you know, in, in the physical realm of flag football, this is a pretty physical team. So I think that that's, that's an exciting, uh, exciting hand that they got dealt. And, you know, once again, very excited to see where this program goes from here. And honestly, they are, they're going to be a really tough out in in the next tournament i think that this team is going to take a pretty big stride between year one and year two i mean most programs do almost every program does i know that's a pretty generic statement to say but uh i don't think that they're going to get goose egged in in next year's tournament um quite like this one so and they can play in the elements so yeah i mean they have some great experience i think uh, I mean, we said this in the preview, playing in this tournament, even if you're not going to win it, 
is good experience because you have experience in high-level situations where teams are throwing everything they can at you because they're just trying to survive and move on, right? So I think uh, this will benefit them a lot. And, I mean, hey, if you're recruit out there, I think Campbellsville, they're building something special out there. You know, they really are. And so uh, keep an eye on them moving forward here. But, I mean, players like J.C. Harper, Presley Payne. Uh, Payne didn't make our all-freshman team, but was definitely somebody who was excellent for them. But those players like them, Yonelli Kiros, the Beecher sisters, Alexis Thomas, uh, even Marissa Rankin as well. I mean, they got some ballers out there. And so give them one more year. You know, give them one more year of development. I think they really played... I don't know if they played the most amount of games out of everyone in the country. I don't think they did because they didn't have a conference a championship, which is really the only downside to their season. But they played as many games as possible and played as many quality games as possible. And so that's a valuable learning experience, including this tournament. Let's just see what happens next year. But, uh, you know, they, they got a lot to work with over there. And, I mean, this this was really positive for them. Uh gotta like uh, where you were at there they were really close to beating warner so there you go um but yeah don't have too much more to say cody uh do you have anything to add on or should i uh, move us on here you can go ahead and turn the page yeah so let's go ahead and talk about midland here so midland was one of those teams that uh were a little bit of a wild card i think this year was a lot easier for them because they found a quarterback uh, that they stuck with, and she played really consistent. I mean, she's one of their, you know, veterans in Michaela Nunez. Uh, she's a three-year player. I guess, actually, you could throw her in with that group of quarterbacks like Brianna Hernandez-Silva, Jasmine Roden, Haberstock, um, Madison Carrera, obviously. She didn't start all three years, but this year she did start, and she has been with this program forever, right? And I think her being you know, experience and having that veteran leadership went a long way for Midland to do, I feel like, a lot better in this tournament. So, you know, they took care of Cotty in the first round, played Ottawa. I mean, it's Ottawa, so uh, that's always going to be a tough game. You have to play almost perfect against them to beat them, but they have shown that they could play them pretty close because they did in the regular season. So that's tough. Obviously, if you're Ottawa, you're not like, you know, taking Midland with a grain of salt, they know you really well. Uh, one of the few teams in this tournament that knows you really well, so you never want to underestimate them. But, you know, then they lost and they went down to the lower bracket. Uh, they took care of Campbellsville really well, which I wasn't sure how that was going to, you know, end up. Because uh, I know they played each other really close at the beginning of the season. But that's definitely a big dub. If you are Midland. And then they went on and played Weber. And they would lose to that squad here. But altogether, I mean Midland. I feel like finished about where we expected them to finish. I mean they did a good job uh, altogether. And won the games they were supposed to. Played some games closer than um, you know others. Or sorry, played some teams a little bit closer than others. And I mean they were pretty much what we expected. And I still think the future is very bright. If you look at the core that they have, uh, or I should say the young core, this freshman class that they have with Diva Jones, Alyssa Butler, Emily Farron, uh, Olivia Dominguez-Milsop, I think as well, uh, Jocelyn Lopez, they got some ballers out there. You know, add on their class from last year, Sydney Red doing her thing. Um, 
and so forth. I mean, they got they got a solid squad out there. Obviously, you're probably going to have to figure out eventually how to replace a Casey Thompson, Michaela Nunez down the line. But that's definitely a later problem. And, you know, like we said, uh, experience for this freshman group, because they did have kind of a lot of freshmen in their core. Uh, that's going to go a long way for them later on in uh, future seasons. Right, Cody? Dude, Midland was probably one of the teams that impressed me the most because being on that side, I don't, people are, are going to look back at this game. Please listen to my recap. Midland pushed Weber hard. Midland was very close to beating Weber, who I think is, you know, overall one of the most well-rounded teams in the country. And uh, well with Two coached. of the best players in the country. And very well coached. Uh, shout out to the Weber coach, by the way. Uh, awesome dude. Funny, funny guy, too. He had me dying when we was talking at the showcase. But anyways, you know, I think that that game, oh my, that game was, oh, that game was so good. Gosh, please listen to the recap. I was going crazy for for all the plays that were happening on both sides. And I think that, you know, I think that they've turned, they've really turned a corner as far as just being very competitive and you know Midland showed out and put on for the KCAC I really do believe that and you know I think that Midland is not a team to be trifled with they're going to be returning basically all their players outside of, I mean it's tough that uh, Casey Thompson will not be returning since she's such a great leader and makes such a great impact on that team and shout out to the Thompsons by the way who are listeners of the pod got to talk to them and, uh, you know, Casey, awesome player and, uh, you know, awesome person as well. Kudos to, to that family, that squad, wishing the best of luck heading forward. But, yeah, no, this Midland squad, a ton of fun to talk to. And, uh, you know, they just have great energy about them, too. I think that that's something that definitely took some time and took some blending and some molding and figuring out over the first two years. But I think that this Midland team is way more grounded, established, whatever you want to say, stable, I think is probably the word that I want to go with here. And I think that's going to lead to great success heading forward. Like you said, this class, this, you know, young core is going to be fantastic. I think that they do a lot of things right. And I mean, okay, obviously the fact that they were pushing Weber is one of the like biggest takeaways that I had from the entire tournament, but also what they were doing against Campbellsville. Oh my gosh, this like, the air attack was going crazy, crazy. I mean, they just looked like a well-oiled machine. The timing was there. The ball placement was there. And, you know, they had some players that maybe, you know, uh, I, I'd say that they kind of had a a coming out party of sorts for for some of their players. And, you know, I'd say that one of the big ones that I'm looking forward to is, you know, um, or, or at least who had a great game in that Campbellsville game, and I will look to see her make multiple performances like that, is uh, Olivia Dominguez-Millsop. She went crazy. She went crazy in that Campbellsville game. Like, she was just making plays on both sides of the ball like a lunatic. And, uh, you know, I think that that is, is only going to carry over even more so with with more experience and as this team gets closer and closer together and a very strong uh, Vegas presence on this squad as well. That's uh, pretty fun to, to track, but yeah, no, this team, 
Very, very fun. Great energy. Great positivity. Always picking each other up. You know, which, I mean, that's like, that's what teams do. Like, I'm not saying that other teams didn't do it. But I just think that this team was very, very united compared to maybe some of, I mean, obviously through stream, it's going to feel a little different. But maybe through, like, past vibes, the vibes of this team were elite. And, uh, you know, the playmaking on both sides of the ball was very opportunistic. This is a team that, like Simon said, I am very excited to to keep an eye on. And another team with really good tenacity as well. Great balance of just uh, positivity and intensity. Yeah, for, I mean, shout out to head coach Jason Jones and his uh, GA, Joe Schlager, out there. I mean, they did a really good job with this roster this year. I think this was a pretty solid year to build upon. And, I mean, you got to feel good about the culture of this team here. I, I don't, I'm not going to say this about any other team, but Millen got some swagger to them. You know what I'm saying? They they got some swagger to them. Oh, for sure. You know? And I love it. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah. I love it. They're going to be dangerous here in the next two years. Um, is that a hot take? That's not a hot take. I think they're going to be dangerous here in the next two years if they could continue to recruit right. Because uh, also this last recruiting class, this freshman group, uh, was really good. You know, was really good. And I mean, you mentioned Olivia Dominguez Millsap. I mean, she's been doing a lot of that all season. Maybe not as many explosive plays, but she's like all reliable out there. A lot like Casey Thompson, I would say in uh in that manner. So. There's that, but she's real. She's a real steady presence on both sides of the ball, and I think she's going to be a fantastic ball player for them to continue to build around moving forward, along with the rest of this young core. So there you go. There, uh, we'll see where they're at going into next year. I think it probably really depends on this uh, recruiting class, because uh, if they get one more really good recruiting class, then they could be dangerous. You know, like truly, uh, potentially maybe a contender that could unlock another tier here, get into that next tier of teams, you know. So that's definitely something to just keep an eye on here. But they're building something nice up there in Nebraska for sure. Uh, no doubt about that, right? So there you go. But uh, Cody, do you have anything more to say about Midland before we move on here? They were anything but mid at, at this tournament, and I'm very excited to to see where they head forward. And I cannot stress enough, the Weber-Midland game might have been, uh, that might have been my favorite game of the tournament. For, like, we're talking reactions, that might have been my favorite game of the tournament. It was electric on both sides of the football all game. So, and, and the game even ended on a big play too, so you know, by a clutch play by a great player. So shout out to both of those squads um, and, and that football contest. That was crazy. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's, let's go ahead and move on here though. Let's talk about Warner. So I feel like I'm not going to lie. I feel like we talked a lot about them getting potentially upset, but the thing is, I mean, they won and they kept, battling and scrapping and fighting for their playoff lives out here and that earns my respect for sure I mean a lot of credit to Tim Mims obviously no Madison Tingen expected that I know Jenna Marrero pretty much expected that honestly so you had a stable of young quarterbacks between Shea Crooks and young quarterbacks as in all freshmen between Shea Crooks uh from Florida Courtney Cromer 
Courtney Cromer, excuse me, also from Florida. Like I said, we covered or I covered her last year, uh, breaking down her film uh, from Jensen Beach. So there you go there. And then as well as Andrea Rodriguez, who's from Panama as well. So they really rotated between them. Also throw in Alison Mangiotti, who was kind of their like option, like Kiana Cole, basically a role type of quarterback out there. And so really they had four different types of quarterbacks. I wasn't, I mean, I maybe I gave off a different vibe in the recap, but I wasn't mad about them just going with the hot hand right now. It does make it harder for a player to get comfortable and all that for sure. But I think going into this tournament, you got to know like, hey, you know, we need to do what's best for the team, right? So always be ready. And then we're just going to ride it out and see what happens. And they do have a very talented crew uh, out there and so you can't afford a little bit of that and so I want to put some respect on their name because I know they did you know get into some pretty close battles pretty much right at the start with Campbellsville and then uh, you know then they played Thomas and that obviously wasn't close but it's Thomas but then they played Cotty again that was really close and then they really battled Kansas Wesleyan and they wouldn't stop scrapping uh, shout out Cynthia Holmes I know, Cody, you had one interaction with her, and it was maybe not at the best time, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I got to talk to her a second time. I got to talk to her oh, a second time. Oh, you did? Time, so okay, okay, well, we'll talk about that here yeah, later. Yeah, just, just a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, we'll but, talk about it here later. But I, but the first one was not at a good yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she has a heart of a champion, right? She's one of the leaders of the squad, and I don't know if Madison Tingen was there or not. Um, I, I just don't pay too much attention to the sideline uh, as much. Uh, I would imagine, I mean, that's kind of a tough trip to make, right? Uh, I would also be focused on trying to rehab back and focus, but uh, it'd be great if she was there. But Cynthia Holmes basically just taking over as the leader of this squad, as she has always done, but especially in this tournament when they needed her most. I think that is something that we got to talk about for sure. Right, Cody? Oh, so how did that second conversation with her go? So, you know, this Warner team, I just want to say in general, no, you're so right that, dude, this team is one of the most unlucky injured teams. Well, definitely the most unlucky team in this tournament, I would say, injury luck-wise and everything like that. So, you know, shout out to them, like you said, for competing. And, you know, while we talked about Cody was close to beating Warner, Campbellsville was close to beating Warner. The word that we used both times was close, right? And not that they beat them. Obviously, you know, both of those games felt like back against the wall games. And to compete in the pouring rain the way that they did and to overcome the deficit and come back in both of those games was, you know, it it cannot be overstated how impressive that was both times. And, you know, I, I'd say that um, I, I did get to also watch, you know, that that first elimination game that they're in. That's just kind of a tough draw of things, I'd say, as far as, you know, who you end up running into in, in the tournament. And but, you know, I think that there's a lot to, you know, once they lose that game to Thomas, that was the first time that I tried to say what's up to Cynthia and I was like hey like way to compete and make plays out there because you know their playmakers still made plays but that Thomas team is a well-oiled machine and a handful for Warner at full strength and Warner was uh, I not near full strength I would say 
Um, so, you know, I tried to, I was just like, Hey, you know, good game. I see you out there. And, uh, she was definitely, you know, rightfully so in her feels about how the game went and was definitely, you know, just trying to get locked in for that next game. Now with their backs against the wall against Cotty and, you know, they, they clutched it up, which is exactly what they needed to do. And they bought one more day and, you know, with that, uh, buying of one more day, you know, obviously they don't, uh, win that game against Kansas Wesleyan, which was another very competitive game. And, you know, one that Simon does a great job recapping. Once again, listen to that recap episode. But, you know, very competitive. Playmakers are making plays. And uh, they stuck around and watched another game or two inside. I think that they watched the Ottawa Thomas game. I think that's where I got to talk to her for a second. Was kind of in that transition period. And, you know, just say, you know, introduce myself. Game recognizes game. And, um, you know, I think that she was still just you know, kind of in, in that football mood, but also, you know, she was, you know, we were, we were able to chat up the tournament a little bit more and, uh, you know, she was able to, you know, shout out, you know, her teammates and just say, you know, we came to compete and that's what we did. So, and I couldn't agree anymore. I couldn't agree anymore that, you know, that Warner team competed this weekend. I mean, you know, like once again, all these teams did, but, uh, you know, with, they were dealt like a pair of twos, or like one card short of like a full house that that doesn't you know or one card short of a pair I should say uh, as far as the hand that they were dealt and they made it work so I think that's that speaks volume and speaks wonders to you know my opinion of Warner in and their performance in this tournament. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean that Kansas Wesleyan Warner game. Gotta be honest, in my opinion, that was probably one of my favorite games. Uh, just not including the national championship or the semis. Uh, so I'm just going to say that because I think naturally those games are just going to be better because of what's on the line. But outside of national championship and semi games, that was probably my favorite game. Uh, and it even stacks up really well. I mean, it came down to the wire. Both of these teams are really battling. And I mean, Warner made so many good adjustments, in, I, in my opinion. And, you know, made some really good decisions. Shout out Coach uh, Tim Mims out there to just, you know, keep this thing close. You know, stay calm, cool, collected. Do what you got to do here. And unfortunately, I mean, they just came up short, right? They had their chances, you know, for sure. Uh, But, you know, with a very young team, I mean, we talked about it last episode. There weren't many, or sorry, in the preview, there weren't many players who has played more than one tournament right, who are, like, significant parts uh, to this team uh, because, you know, Mims came over last year, and so uh, for a lot of these players, last year was their first tournament, and then even going into this year, I mean, a lot of their, you know, starters, uh, Vincent Cini, Amiri Logan, uh, Jashana Lyons had some big sacks in this uh, in that game, specifically Lexi Marquez as well and more, I mean, that was their first tournament. They're just freshmen, too. And then even this uh, stable of quarterbacks, I mean, they're going to be good for it. Now, <laughs> it, it definitely brings up something interesting that I want to address for sure here. Because in my opinion, and, I, and they know this, that's why they recruited them, right? But Rodriguez, Crooks, Cromer, they really could all be starters on different teams, right? Uh and 
just throwing this out there. I mean, Madison Tingen is going to come back for sure. She should be able to come back. And uh, she's one of the best in the entire country when she does. Jenna Marrero, who played a lot of running back, but obviously could also play quarterback as well. You know, she's a good backup. Uh, I don't know what the chances are of both of them ever getting hurt again at the same time, you know. But she'll be back as well. And so, the I think this is something to bring up. But because of how well the three quarterbacks played with, you know, obviously the hand they were given. One does ask, one does have to wonder just a little bit if maybe one of them will transfer and go to another squad. Or they just ride it out for four years, right? But you can only play like two quarterbacks max, right, Cody? But honestly, I mean, watching, or not Castillo, that's the receiver. <laughs> Rodriguez, Cromer, and Crooks play it really made me feel like they could definitely play on different teams and be starters. And there are a number of teams out there, uh, first off, that are going to be losing some longtime starters, but are also, you know, there are also programs that need a quarterback who has experience, who has tournament experience, which all of these quarterbacks now have, you know, and are talented and could uh, build your team around, really, you know, like franchise type of quarterbacks. And I think Warner has some of those, because honestly, going into next year, uh, with this experience, obviously a lot of them made some pretty freshman mistakes. Not horrible mistakes at all by any means in my opinion, but pretty freshman mistakes. They're not going to do those next year, right? And we know that they're talented. And so it definitely makes it an interesting quarterback room going to next year. Also throw in that, uh, I believe Kayla Ludwig from Newsom here, who's a very talented athlete, could also probably play receiver as well, um, which ironically enough she's also coming off an injury uh but i have full faith that she's going to come back and be great um she is another name that you could potentially throw in the quarterback conversation if you wanted to as well who's going to be part of this class of 23 and so cody i mean we talk about warner scrapping but this quarterback is probably the most interesting one in the entire country is it not No, yeah. Also, I just wanted to say I don't think Madison Tingen made the trip. I don't think I saw her on the sideline. Um, and that's understandable. That's so, I'm not like holding that well, to Because I think the school year's over and it's been over as yeah. well. So, you know, if there's a place where uh, she can be to just work on PT and stuff, I'd assume that that's probably where she would be. Um, obviously supporting teammates from a distance and whatnot. But it is something to to keep an eye on and see which way they try and go. I mean, obviously, they were just kind of stuck in a bad sitch this season. But, you know, there are there are some things to address this offseason. And luckily, it's it's a decently long one and whatnot. So, you know, I'll be interested to see kind of what some of the incoming recruits look like and, you know, what this depth chart will look like heading into next season. And, you know, this Warner team... With Tingen, I think, well, I, I feel like I almost know goes further in this tournament. Um, but, you know, that's uh, on the, ah, uh, oh, man. It, I I want to say the NFL, like Dave Demeshek, but it's the NAIA. There's not, you can't really squeeze if into there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, they probably would have made semis at least um, or gotten really close. In my opinion, I I don't have any doubt about that. Now, 
Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, what do you think about this quarterback situation? It It's crowded, you know, and honestly, I think if they were in a similar, if they were to find themselves in a similar situation next year, I could actually see them going to the semis or even the national championship with one of these quarterbacks, assuming it's the right day. But it is crowded in that room, right? Yeah, I, I would say that I wouldn't be the most surprised if we did see a transfer, you know, pop out of this. I, I'd say that, you know, there are, especially with newer programs, there are teams that are going to be looking for QBs or, you know, if there's uh, some a QB that doesn't really want to, you know, continue to be repurposed if they don't like their spot, their depth chart or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if they can keep them and, and build off of that and, you know, find roles or packages that utilize, you know, uh, some trickery about it, you know, that could open up the playbook, but it could also cause issues and, and problems too. It's, it, I mean, it's not a bad thing to have multiple quarterbacks or options at quarterback, but uh, it is, you know, a decision that, that will have to be made and, you know, something that will kind of have to be played by ear, especially, you know, in, in the recovery process of, of Tinjin, just to see how she bounces back and, uh, you know, see what these other players are able to do with an off season and, uh, you know, what they're able to do leading up to the next season and see if anyone, you know, makes dramatic pull away movement, one position or another. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, currently they have five quarterbacks who are all underclassmen <laughs> and four of them are freshmen. So that's, I mean, I don't know. It, and it's nothing personal to, you know, head coach Mims or the coaching staff or anything, but like, I mean, you know, you, you go to college on a scholarship trying to compete, you know, when you can, trying to play when you can. You want to go where you could also play, too. I'm sure one of those quarterbacks have thought about it at least a little bit, right? And it's definitely nothing personal at all. If anything, it's a lot of praise for this coaching staff for being able to get these players to this point and getting them to a spot where they are pretty serviceable and they do a good job, you know? Uh, and that's, I mean, that's life, right? When you have to play all three or four quarterbacks and they all do relatively okay and well, especially in this era of college football, you know, you're going to have some interest there. So there you go. But we'll see what happens with this squad moving forward. Obviously wishing them all the best and hoping hoping that uh, they get really healthy. Uh, one person I do want to shout out before we move on here. How about that Amiri Logan, though, making our all-freshman team and also making all-tournament, right, Cody? Yes. Yes, all-tournament. And, I mean, obviously that comes with just, like, very clutch or, you know, like, uh, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for here, but very timely plays is is what I'm trying to say here. Very, you know... It, it it's now or never and it happened now kind of situations for Logan who just, you know, put on a show this weekend and, uh, you know, did make all tournament defense at the defensive back position. And uh, yeah, no, it, that is for sure uh, an athlete to, to keep an eye out for. And one of obviously one of the best uh, freshmen in the country with, you know, this opening season and especially, especially with this tournament, if anything, that's like the most vindication or justification, whatever you want to call it, uh, for her spot. 
on that squad. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, consistency is everything. I think that's why, really, she made our all-freshman team. But it really shined this tournament. You know, she was consistent, right? And when she got hot, I mean, she was hot. And so she showed that she's a baller. Uh, she's dangerous. And, you know, you got to look out for her going into next year. I mean, she's a real smart player. They could play both ways. And she could be a key part to a potential championship squad or conference championship squad someday in the future for Warner. So just going to say that. And we're going to move on <laughs> to our next team here. Uh, Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk about the next squad here? Yes, sir. And I will say, you know, family ties here with this Kansas Wesleyan squad. Honestly, you know, I I feel like a broken record, but really just great experience and very, very good vibes. Uh, Got to make some seriously awesome connections. Got to talk to Coach, you know, who we did. I don't, Simon, I don't recall if we mentioned this in the recap of the women's we did uh, or of the girls flag football tournament but uh you know coach was in the house for that so it's the second time getting to talk to her and you know get to you know talk to this coaching staff as well as the players and it was fun you know at at the it kind of in between the showcase and you know games got to just chop it up and you know really just um have have a good time here and, you know, <laughs> I'd say, you know, I got to talk to Anthony as well, who, who's the coach. Actually, you know, the brother, the sibling of, of the head coach there at Kansas Wesleyan. He's a really cool dude, very eager to, you know, promote flag football, tags us all the time. So, you know, we repost his stuff a lot. So go ahead and follow him as well on Instagram. And definitely, you know, a proponent of pushing this game forward and moving this sport forward as well and uh, very encouraging for the players does everything to promote these players and repost their accomplishments and you know there were quite a few to talk about for this Kansas Wesleyan squad that had some all tournament teams and you know Kansas Wesleyan when I was talking to other coaches they had a lot to say about these players you know that it was one of those things where you know you're kind of just talking talent and it's like you know the name that obviously one of the names that kept coming up was Hernandez Silva, every single coach there knew her name. They were familiar with her game and they're still like, and she's still going to score points and make plays. You know what I mean? Like we are going to game plan for her. We know who she is. We know her game and we were coming up with a strategy to slow it down, but not to completely stop it. And, you know, I think that that speaks volumes to, you know, that squad, obviously herself, Angel Roman made a ton of plays this weekend and uh, got to talk to them at length. And, you know, they were very grateful and pleasant to meet and chop it up with. And, you know, it's just crazy talking to these athletes that, you know, like uh, Hernandez Silva is going to end up with a master's in basically the same degree that I have. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that was the end of the line for my education. So it's fun to, you know, it was like humanizing to talk about, you know, school as well as athletics. And they have, you know, multi-sport athletes like, Angel Roman, who's also, I want to say, playing the two guard for that Kansas Wesleyan women's basketball team as well. So, you know, talking about all this, balancing it, the respect that they have for other teams and what they're trying to take away and the point that they're trying to do. And, you know, they're just, they do a great job of 
having fun. And I think that's something about the Kansas Wesleyan team that, you know, makes them much watch, must watch football is like they, when they make plays, they're big plays, right? Like they're not, uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, they can drive the football, obviously, but you know, if you're going to see a team rip off a 50 yard touchdown in a game, it's going to be this Kansas Wesleyan team. And I also want to point out, obviously, you know, listen to the full recap, but Angel Roman, she undercut Kennedy Foster and beat her to a football in that game against Kaiser, where they did get eliminated, obviously. That's why we're talking about him here. But there's a lot to be happy about for Kansas Wesleyan. They were they were probably the most heavily equipped team for the showcase as, you know, they had a ton of players walking around doing scouting and stuff. And obviously, shout out to original PMC fam, Alexa. She was very grateful and just awesome to talk to. And, uh, you know, it was kind of fun to to bring it up, obviously. She had great interceptions this season. And I remember <laughs> because she, we had a little bit of dialogue on it during her film breakdown. I was like, hey, you know, uh, obviously she's making great plays, but I do want her to work on her hands and, uh, you know, be more of a turnover threat. And she's like, hey, my hands are fine. I can make interceptions. And boy, did she... You know, whether she worked on it in between or not and took that to heart, whatever, however you want to look at that, she did exactly that this tournament. And uh, also just, like I said, awesome to me, very humble, very grateful, and, you know, just very pleasant, very polite squad here. Uh, Great vibes, lots of fun to be around. I spent a lot of time with this team as they just had, you know, they had a lot of uh, kind of passable time with kind of how their schedule was built, you know, for this tournament and how it kind of shook out. And, uh, you know, then they stuck through and they watched the national championships and, you know, went through that and were very supportive of their teammates making all tournament. And, you know, uh, some of them were looking to make even more noise next year. So very tight knit group, very kind of like family feel with this coyote squad here out uh, out in Georgia, you know, they roamed together, they had fun together, and, uh, you know, just, once again, great energy. And then, the uh, a great respect and reverence for their opponents as well. So, no no lost love here uh, between myself and, and Kansas Wesleyan. That's like the emotional recap, obviously. And I think that they had a good showing. You know, they, they were a KCAC team that, you know, ended up playing very important games, and playing very competitive games and putting on quite a highlight reel throughout those games as well. And, you know, had a, you know, solid showing for the all tournament team as well uh, with those players that we talked about in the preview, that would be very impactful and hard to kind of defend against coach V I've been a little long winded on this one, but uh, let's hear what your kind of reactions are from Kansas Wesleyan's, you know, tournament performance here that you you want to talk about an arc here i feel like this is a long time in the making we already talked about you know the very tough hand that Warner was dealt but you know there is some blowback from you know them winning the silver bracket here i think that you know the separation of not having two brackets kind of gives a little bit more clarity for rankings heading forward and whatnot and a little bit easier to talk about uh because it's not like they get split up but, uh, you know, they had something to prove heading into this tournament. And I think that, you know, while they they didn't, you know, beat a Kaiser uh, caliber team or a St. Thomas, they showed that they're right there. Um, and they're on the cusp of, of really, 
making a push uh, towards like a semis run in the coming years, or at least next year while they still have Hernandez Silva, Queen B, as I try and push that nickname narrative. First off, uh, that's Beyonce's nickname, so you know, put some respect on her name. Well, on the gridiron, I gotta, I gotta pull up for a fellow Texan out here, even though she's from Houston. Uh, oh. I just gotta say, you know, you gotta <laughs> come on now. All right. Oh, also, oh, before before Barkley. I officially pass yeah, go it on. on. Uh, Tarek, Tarek, awesome, awesome dude to talk to, and you know, once again, very supportive and uh, very proud of this KWU squad. Uh, Tarek also uh, saying that uh, Alex Mansour, one of the probably most pound for pound strongest at, uh, college athletes, who says that she outlifts uh, you know volleyball players that are like six foot over one hundred eighty pounds. So uh, you know Alexa putting in that work in the late weight room as well, uh, getting swole. But anyways, now I will officially pass it off uh, since you're defending uh, Houston's and whatnot. I'll let you do that thing. Hey, Tarek, come through Denver, my guy. Let's go get dinner. <laughs> he seems like a good dude, man, and uh, would love to chop it up with him. Hopefully him and uh, head coach Melinda Wynn can make it through Colorado again uh, for our state championship games. And hopefully everyone could come through. You know, we'd, we'd love to meet everyone, and we'll make sure to send out that information when we get it. Um, when we get it. So <laughs> there's that. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean – that's a shot. It, well, yeah, it's for sure a shot. But, yeah, Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, we've always kind of known this. They've always had a really healthy, like, program, culture, history, and all that. I mean, shout out to Coach Fam. He's the one who really started it. And, uh, I mean, it really, like, carried over, I'd say, with uh, head coach Melinda Wynn. I mean, she's done such a great job this year, honestly. Uh, if there was a coach of the year... I guess, award. I think she would easily be a candidate for that. And so a lot of credit to her, uh, just kind of continuing those vibes in the culture. And, I mean, they've set a standard for KWU football by this point, right? So we knew what to expect. Them beating Warner, though, was a step forward as a program for sure. And I think that really secured themselves in this next tier as a team that can compete with some of these other teams now. Obviously, they don't consistently play Sun Conference teams, but it's really my opinion that if they did consistently play Sun Conference teams, you know, they'd be just as good as a lot of these squads for sure. You know, I, I, at least that's my opinion after watching this. Now, the Warner game was really close. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there are times they kind of let them hang around a little bit, but obviously I think there's definitely a psychological aspect to this, uh, whether you're too high or maybe too low or whatever. I think they just needed to level out and play their game, and they did, you know, and it came down to Brianna Hernandez-Silva to Angel Roman, and, you know, that's going to be money all the time here, and, I mean, Brianna Hernandez-Silva just clutch all the time. I'm not trying to disrespect her by not giving her the queen bee nickname but she really turned up uh this season this is one to remember for uh for all time really you know it was a legendary season obviously didn't go to the national championship and win it or anything like that but you know there were some great moments 
You know, there there's some really good moments from this season. And I think this Warner game, along with that Midland game in the regular season, really showed what KW football is all about. About going to work, about sticking with each other, about not, you know, worrying about the clock and just winning. Finding a way to get it done is all it is when it comes to KWU and continuing to scrap. And so as a program, you gotta be happy with where they're at here. Uh obviously when it comes to Brianna Hernandez Silva here, I mean, she is one of the older players on this team. I believe she has one more year of eligibility, which should be enough for her to get her master's as well, too. And so they are entering uh, the last year of the Brianna Hernandez Silva era, you know, and so it's going to be interesting to see what they do at quarterback moving forward. If they bring in another quarterback, either this season or the next off season, obviously I think you'd probably like for a quarterback to be mentored by a player like Brianna here. Because uh, from what I hear, she's a great person and all that as well. You know, and she brings a lot of experience to the squad. And so that's definitely something to keep an eye on, Just, you know, in the back of your head. But moving forward, this is a team that's going to be, you know, battling with the heavyweights from now on. You know, they have pushed that expectation forward. And so now expectations have naturally risen, right? And that's kind of where we're at with Kansas Wesleyan. And so, hey, it's on. You know, it's definitely on now. You know, you got to continue to get better and you're going to be in more high-pressured situations. But I think this tournament was really uh, a good spot for them to just show that, hey, they're around and they're going to be a solid squad that could really be a contender here soon. You know, sooner than probably later. And I also want to shout out Jeff Molesky. We're going to talk about his squad here like like right after this. Uh, but when he was announcing, I want to say, uh, oh, shoot, I really can't remember what it was. I don't know why. I think it was Cades Wesleyan versus St. Thomas. Uh, he gave, like, major props to Brianna Hernandez-Silva, called her one of the most dynamic players uh, in the game of football right now, a uh, true dual threat. And, you know, that that was big time. Right. You know, and uh, it's obviously very much true. She is one of the few dual threats, I would say, like true dual threats uh, in uh, the country right now. Uh, that's really good at passing and really good at running. I'd say it's probably her, Madison Carrera and Michaela Nunez, who um, I mean, they're all in the KCAC, which is really interesting when you think about that. But I think it's just stylistically different, uh, you know programs and play calling there but yeah i mean that's kansas wesleyan they played great a great group like you said cody and i mean you gotta agree right the expectations have definitely risen after this uh performance in the national uh, tournament here right oh absolutely no the expectations are definitely higher i think that they're up for it but uh there will be some more pressure uh this coming season from, you know, just just obviously their competition in general and, uh, you know, from the media, a.k.a. us. But I think that they're up for the challenge, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there you go there. Also, by the way, I know we mentioned wanting to do power rankings. Uh, we'll come to a decision about that later, you know, and we'll just uh, continue to go on talking about all these teams. Right, Cody? That is a future okay, problem. so. Do you want to, or I can talk about Weber here. Speaking of Jeff Molesky here, uh, let me go ahead and talk about Weber because <laughs> he, so there, Weber's head coach, Jeff Molesky, I know he announces 
for like other teams and stuff like that. Because I listened to the entire interview he did with the Sun uh, Cast, uh, the Sun, the Sun Conference podcast, basically. But I'm pretty sure they're called the Sun Cast here. And uh, I listened to the entire thing, and so I know he's an announcer. And so when he hopped on the mic for one of these other games, I really don't remember which one, but it was on the stream that I was watching with Corey. Uh, that was kind of hype, you know, and I love uh, hearing his insight. And honestly, he's somebody that one day I would really love to just learn about football from because I know at the end of the day, I mean, he's a coach. He's somebody who's been around the game and uh, has coached for a really long time. And so he's just a great sports mind, honestly. And so would definitely love to, uh, you know, chop it up with him and just learn as much from him as possible someday. But that was just a really great experience from the stream standpoint, just being able to hear what he's doing. Uh, Cody, you asked him about it, and tell me what what he said out there. You know, being being all humble and whatnot. Well, I mean, you know, he he like, well, he knows he's like that. You know, what I mean, because apparently he calls Weber soccer as well, and uh, there was another sport that he calls. But uh, you know, I I passed along the compliment because Simon, so I'm literally like watching a game, and Simon's like. Hey, by the way, you gotta you gotta give him some props when you see him and meet him. So I was like, okay, well, that's like my mission. Like that was in the mission log to to get that done because obviously I didn't hear his commentating. But you know, he's like, yeah, you know, it's just I, I've been around the game for a while, so you know, it, it just kind of comes naturally. But you know, he definitely he he played it off pretty cool his, his announcing and and whatnot and. I think that obviously like his energy, his encouragement, and, you know, obvious, obviously his coaching and play calling. I mean, he's kind of, he's a veteran of the game and he's been pretty integral to some powerhouses in Florida, uh, being a part of great coaching staffs and starting pro or helping start programs and build programs, obviously. And so, you know, we got to talk about that a little bit. And so obviously that is translated very well to the collegiate level and, uh, you know, I think that he, he's a really fun guy to talk to, pretty funny guy as well. And, uh, you know, somebody who knows as well that he's got his work cut out for him um, with with this offseason and whatnot. But, you know, I think that he's done a great job. There is, you know, he was telling me that players were coming up to him and were like, well, you know, I'd love to try out for, for flag football. He's like, can you catch a football? And they said, I don't know. I'm going to leave the name. <laughs> I'm going to leave the name out of it. Uh, but you know, they said, I don't know. He's like, what do you mean? You don't know. Uh, and needless to say, I, I will, you know, that my hint will be that it worked. Um, but there's still a few options on, on answers to that. But, you know, obviously he's great at developing players. He's great at maximizing players. And, uh, you know, he's, I think that he, he said that he's going to get, uh, Breesha helping out with the defense as a DC next year. Breja. So even though she will no longer, Briasia Robinson. What? Briasia yeah, yeah. uh, Robinson, you know, to help out with the defense. And, you know, that's something that he's, you know, he's reluctant on. But this is another part where he's funny. He's like, you know, I don't want to give up the defense, but she knows what she's doing. So, you know, I'll, I'll give her a shot, you know, just kind of being, you know, he, he he's playful. He's fun. And, uh, you know, definitely somebody that, you know, I would leave everything out on the field for you know, as far as, you know, coaches go. And, uh, you know, I think that he's he's awesome and the energy of this team was great. And, you know, he also, you know, had some dogs, you know, in this tournament 
as far as, you know, those, those who showed out, I mean, Caitlin, uh, Sigmundi as you know, in, in this tournament debut, uh, does end up making all D all tournament defense safety. So, you know, that's awesome. And she did make some plays this tournament. And, you know, this Weber team was a part of one of my, if not my favorite game from this tournament that, you know, that Midland game goes both ways because Weber, they were down and, you know, Midland was really feeling themselves. So they really had to compose themselves, put together some very great drives. And, you know, I think that this offense is very well adapted and, uh, you know, they, they have playmakers on, on both sides of the ball. And a lot of them that play both sides of the ball as well. So, you know, that's that was awesome to to get to meet them. And then I have to share a little bit of the backstory here, uh, regardless of whether it's on a cover or not. And y'all saw it for yourself. So I took a picture with this squad after their dub against Midland. And I was like, all right, hold up W's for that dub that you just got. And me, being from Colorado and growing up on that West Coast hip-hop, I threw up a W in each hand, you know, with with the middle and ring finger crossed. But they was putting their thumbs together with their pointer fingers out. And so I kind of look like, I look stupid. I'm not even going to pull it. I'm not even going to pull it on myself. I look like an idiot up there. But, uh, you know, they're all great sports about it. And, uh... You know, I, th I think that we have everyone smiling in that picture, or most of everyone, um, as, as far as, you know, just playing a very competitive game and, you know, one that went down to the wire, truly. So, you know, I think that great culture over there and uh, great energy. And uh, Sam Wilson also um, d was dealing uh, this tournament and, and had some pretty wow throws uh, throughout this tournament as well. And obviously, you know, uh, we have some PMC fam, obviously, uh, Caitlin, as well as, uh, Emma Balaco, that is, uh, people that we talked about in, in their high school career. So, um, lots of familiar faces, lots of new faces and, uh, very strong team, very passionate team. And, uh, you know, a team that was really fun to watch and be around during this tournament. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, let's just talk about it, right? Uh, this, this is a squad that is never really out of it. We know the talent that they have. Now, when it, I, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Having watched a lot of other teams and how deep they are and how many receivers they have and DBs and all rushers, linebackers, all that great stuff, they're probably not as deep. And I'm really thinking of just Sun Conference teams, but they're probably not as deep as a lot of those squads. You know, they have a couple players that they really work with. Um, but other than that, they're not as deep as some of their squads, but they know what they are, right? And they play, they have the ability to play really good defense offensively. I mean, they have great pieces. Sam Wilson at quarterback, I mean, uh, I think she is somebody that unfortunately just kind of missed out on all playmaker and some of our awards there, but she had a good season. I think she really took a step forward this season. Uh, last year, there were like some mistakes that she made as freshmen that were like, okay, you know, that's that those are freshman mistakes. You're not going to make those next year. And she did it right now. You know, she's still a little bit of a younger quarterback. And I think there are times where uh, she really wants to push the pace because they're not getting quite as much production from their offense. But I don't know if that's exactly all on her there uh, for that. You know, just being honest with you, but I really like her as a quarterback, and uh, she played great. I mean, 
honestly, <laughs> honestly, there are some teams that would probably love to have her as well, but I think she's obviously real committed to Weber and what they have there, and she's going to be somebody that's going to take another step forward going into next year, and so really impressed with her play. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned Caitlin Sigmundy, Emma Blocko. Obviously, PMC fam covered them in high school. Jeez, they were like, I want to say maybe they were juniors or sophomores when we covered their film in high school, right? I want to say juniors. That's what I'm leaning towards, but they could have been sophomores as well. I know we looked at some of their sophomore year film anyways, but... Yeah, at at least to piece it together. I think it was junior year because it was the combo of the film. um, That's right. To to take a look at. Yeah. That's, but also your memory is way sharper than mine when remembering these things. So also maybe don't take my word for it. Um, <laughs> it's my turn for the smooth brain CTE-ness, but I digress. Yeah, it's cool seeing them play in their first tournament because we've been covering them for so long. I mean, we covered their senior year and whatnot as well. They both had great years, obviously, and then both committed together. And so obviously love to see them compete on the highest level. Now, the, look, just being honest, you're going to have freshman mistakes. That's pretty much inevitable. But I think they did a really good job when giving the playing time. Kalen Sigmundy at safety was key to this Weber defense and really held it down for them in, in the backside there and uh, kept them in a lot of games. I mean, honestly, even looking at the St. Thomas game, uh, it wasn't like the cleanest game at all, but they only lost like 13 to 0, I'm pretty sure. Is that right, Cody? Sorry, I don't have it like right. Yeah, okay, yeah. They only lost 13 to 0 here. And I mean, it was close. Honestly, when it came down to it, the offense uh just struggled to produce here. It wasn't I don't think it was the quarterback playing wrong. Uh, a lot of opposing defenses keyed in really hard on Jasmine Henry. You know, and that's a big difference compared to the regular season because I think there are plenty of times she got one on one uh, in the regular season and she will win those matchups. She's called Flash for the reason, for a reason. But this tournament, like, they, there were teams that were determined to limit Kayla Burroughs. I mean, you know, do what they can there. She's going to make plays regardless. And then key in on Jasmine Henry. And they were, like, actively, like, getting after her. And that must have been really frustrating because we know what kind of speed she has over there. And so it just kind of, like, offensively just kind of came to a stop. And really, I mean, you have Caleb Burrows, you have Razor Robinson, Caitlin Sigmundy is out there as well, Jasmine Henry. I Other than that, you just kind of need more options, you know, and you need players to continue to develop, obviously, um, looking at your young freshmen and whatnot as well. And they will. You know, they definitely will. I think this was really good experience. And for them to only lose by 13 to St. Thomas, you're good. <laughs> you know, I think you feel okay about that, to be completely honest with you. Now, well, go on. Oh, I was just going to point out, too, this is, you know, this is Weber's second game of this day. And that was against, that was a hard-fought game against Midland. They have a little bit of a break, but St. Thomas, that was a team that really needed some rest. Uh, you know, they were able to get some of that heading into this matchup. So I think that's something else to uh, kind of consider. Obviously, there were teams that did have to play multiple games in a day and, and were able to win. But 
you know, I still think that that's something to consider about this matchup as well and how, you know, almost low, well, not almost, how literally low scoring the contest was in general, um, I think speaks volumes to how hard Weber played. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they played St. Thomas really hard. Like, Saint, this was one of those games where, I, I don't want to say it felt like it dragged, but it did feel like it dragged on, and it was just really tough, like, grueling football, just one of those defensive battles where the effort was all there, and it just lasted, like, this game just lasted so long, I felt. Like, it was, it, it almost felt a little demoralizing to St. Thomas. I mean, they still won, but, you know, they also had a couple players who were battling injuries. And so for them to play a really long game and then turn around and play another game after that it, is tough. And so I would say Weber really challenged them. And they did not, like, they did not let them get an easy win. It was kind of one of those things where they really dragged them down and, like, made them, like, battle tooth and nail for every single yard right and it was a close game because of it and so a lot of credit to Weber I mean like like we keep saying they're super well coached uh they have a lot of young players they also have uh, some seniors as well so it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out uh but they have a lot of young players uh, who are just going to continue to get better and I mean uh giving them that experience I think is going to be ultimately big time for them also Jada Dillard had a really good uh uh, I feel like she had a really good game that game and in this tournament in general too, uh, just to name a couple players. So there you go there. Weber, we'll see where they're at next year. Obviously, Caleb Burrows uh, is one of those players who I'm pretty sure graduated, but I want to say has at least one more year of eligibility left. I know she was on that first team. So yeah, she does have one more year of eligibility left. So we'll see what happens there, you know. Um, but I mean, she was big. She played her heart out. Honestly, I mean, like Cynthia Holmes, uh, just leading and playing hard, you know, both offensively, defensively. I mean, she was keeping Weber in this thing and really probably stressing out St. Thomas, to be honest with you, when it came down to it at the end. So there you go there. But uh, Cody, do you have anything more to say about Weber before we move on here? No, I just uh, once again... The pleasure was all ours, you know, uh, getting to talk to them and chop it up with their players and uh, <laughs> get some laughs and, and some good times for, for, for the squad. But I think that we're good to talk about our next squad here who eliminated Weber, and that is St. Thomas, who at briefly mentioned was getting a little unlucky during this tournament and, you know, I think that one of the biggest storylines of this tournament and one of the biggest reactions is just how different this team uh, would have looked and did look, you know, with with their star Jada Graham on the sideline or, you know, not at 100%. Uh, she went down in on that interception, actually, by Alexa Mansour in that KWU game. So, and, you know, you could see the difference uh, throughout that day when she wasn't playing anymore. And, uh, you, I mean, she was still making plays, don't get me wrong, in the rest of this tournament. But uh, it definitely had an impact on their offense. And they did, I will give credit where credit is due. Uh, not to say that they don't have other playmakers, not to say anything like that. But uh, Rayona Baker really stepped up. Um 
like once again, like I said, not to take away like her skill in her own right, but I mean, holy cow, was she going nuclear in that Kaiser game? And uh, she Loki has one of the coldest clips uh, that we reposted on our story. Definitely go give her a follow and uh, check out some of her highlights from the tourney. But uh, yeah, no, they they you know had a very interesting kind of like up and down wavy tournament, and you know I think that uh, they they played the hand that they were dealt really well. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot to be happy about for St. Thomas, but there's a lot of what ifs for St. Thomas from this tournament as well. I I think that's unquestioned um, that, you know, that it's obviously it's a team sport, but, you know, when it is such a high impact player uh, to Graham's level, who was the Sun Conference Offensive Player of the Year, mind you, a player of that scale, uh, it is going to impact you know, the overall team's performance and whatnot. I think that given that, there's a lot to be happy about, uh, but there's there's a lot that they're probably thinking about as well. Is that, I'm, I feel, I don't feel like I'm blowing that out of proportion in my reaction here, am I, Simon? Well, just, just to be clear, it's not because they have regrets, because there's nothing you could do about injuries. You know, you work with what you got. Um, this is a long tournament. There's gonna, there's already a lot of wear and tear going into this, and so playing so many games in a row is a lot, you know. Um, and so if an injury happens, it happens. You can't do anything about it. There's no treatment. You got to work with what you have, and that's it. You know, that's really it. And so it's not because they played bad or played below expectation. I think they played really well and played to their expectations, if not more, honestly. But, I mean, you can't do anything about getting hurt. And it wasn't just Jada Graham. Let's keep it honest. Because I think, I mean, you said Warner struggled with injuries the most. Honestly, like, respectfully, I disagree. I think it was easily St. Thomas. Uh, Jada Graham going down. And, you know, she's a player that was recovering from a pretty serious knee injury, you know, the last couple years. That was really tough for St. Thomas. Now, she still played. And she toughed it out. And... Look, kudos to her. You know, that's the stuff of legends, honestly. And she's a warrior for that and a dog for that. So got to give her all the roses in the world for battling and, you know, just putting on a brace. And, you know, I know what that's like, putting on a clunky brace like that and playing. And that can't be comfortable at all, especially in a sport where you have to be, like, agile and all that. I mean, you're extremely limited. And that's not great, you know. And uh, not having her takes away... A pretty significant deep threat because I would say this uh, wide receiving core of St. Thomas is one of the deepest. Uh, you mentioned Rayona Baker, Tyler Bryant stepping up. In my opinion, I mean, they did their job. I don't think there was really any stepping up there. They've always been this good. If you look at their first year last year, uh, both of them made excellent plays. Thinking about that Hail Mary that happened at the last, se- last second in the regular season. Not this year, but last year. You know, them making plays against Thomas, you know, and uh, giving them a loss last year as well they are both very capable playmakers who are wide out ones on a lot of different teams you know but you know going into this year jada graham came back she is obviously you know she takes seniority she's an upperclassman she's been a great athlete she quickly became that wide out one option especially when they switched to holly near who you know has a great connection with her they both came into this program together i'm pretty sure so there's that and so 
with Graham being limited here, it was pretty much expected for Baker and Bryant to take over. And they did. You know, that's expected out of them. And they did a really good job at that. But not having a Graham who could add almost a whole other dimension because she could run the ball. She could pass it as well. And, you know, she's somebody that could beat pretty much anybody in one-on-one. That is difficult. You know, now she still went out there, she caught passes, she worked with what she had, but you could definitely tell, I mean, plays where she could easily cut back and extend them and whatnot, she just wasn't able to do that. So hopefully, you know, her knee's all good and all that uh, stuff, but I mean, it was just very obvious that she was limited, so that's tough. On top of that, I don't think she played too much defense either, so that's another player you're missing from your vault uh, of defense out there that's really good and easily one of the best in the entire country, and so not having her on defense as much is definitely an issue for sure. On top of that, though, and Dominique Parks getting hurt in the, I want to say in the Weber game, and it didn't look good. It looked like a non-contact injury when it happened, and I thought it might have been an ACL. Uh, that wasn't good either because she's your starting running back. She gives you kind of a short, uh, you know, like a shorter term or a short yardage, sorry, option there to get you some of those yards and can make something happen out of nothing. Bail Holly near out of some pretty tough situations. When she got hurt, I mean, they had to turn to Maya Salas, who really just didn't have a lot of experience on the season. She's also a freshman, but I mean, just didn't have a lot of experience. So it's a little bit of an unfair situation to put her in, but they worked with what they had. And so losing Dominique Parks on offense was big. Also, she is one of your backup DBs and a player that you rotate in at defensive back. So you automatically also become much thinner there. You already lost Jada Graham there as well. So that's two DBs you're already losing as well as offensive playmakers as well. And then, you know, you look at some other players. Myerlia Kayon, she had an injury in that Kansas Wesleyan game. And I don't think she was 100%, even though she did play, you know, in the last games. But I mean, she was definitely nursing an injury. Uh, I mentioned this in the recap to shumble washington sustained an injury as well in the weber game too i want to say i mean it just kind of happened um and or i'm pretty sure it was in the weber game and it was just kind of a tough situation you kind of saw her limping every now and then she uh, battled it out was a warrior as well obviously she could still run on it so she still played but you could tell there was definitely uh, some lingering you know uh uncomfortable like painfulness there for sure and so saint thomas just got slammed by the injury bug that's four or five starters that are not at 100%, and obviously not everybody's at 100%, but it was really obvious with that, and they still ward on if they can, but, I mean, can you really expect a team that's losing their deep threat option, their short yardage option, uh, someone who could also run the ball as well, so your rushing option, also you're losing two DBs as well, and on top of that, your starting DBs aren't healthy. I mean, really, the most healthy one out there, in my opinion, was Lanai Leone, and I mean, she played great this tournament, but it was what it was, so I just, I mean, like, you know... you could say it's all about what ifs. It's not because they didn't play their heart out. They played really well. And ultimately, I mean, they lost to Kaiser in a very close one point matchup, you know. And I think you could be happy with that. But also, if you're St. Thomas, it's just unlucky. You can't do anything about injuries. That's it. 
Um, you could prepare all you want, but if an injury happens, it happens. And so I think it, it's definitely going to be one of the biggest what ifs uh, looking back uh, to this tournament and whatnot. What if St. Thomas was truly healthy, you know, and stayed healthy throughout the uh, tournament? Because they just really just had bad luck. So there you go there. But uh, I mean, Cody, is there anything else that you want to add on to this? Uh, in my opinion, they all played well. They all made plays. Players stepped up and did what they could, but... At the end of the day, you can only work with what you got. Yeah, no, for sure. And I will say, at the tournament itself, definitely the most unlucky team, you know, over the course of events in tournament as as far as injuries. And, I mean, look, this, that Kaiser team, that Kaiser game, you know, they had a lead um, for a lot of that game. And they have a lot to feel good about. And this team was, you know, only a few plays away from being in the semis with, you know, like a few of their limbs missing more or less. So I think that there's a lot to be happy about, but yeah, I, I definitely mean in the what if sense, uh, not, not in the, you know, disappointed in their performance way. I, I just want to clarify that, that they still played incredibly, um, you know, during, during this tourney and, uh, you know, Holly was dealing in that Kaiser game, and there's a lot to, you know, obviously they're, they they made plays, which is what they've done all season, like you said. And, uh, but, you know, I, I will say that they got to be wondering, man, if Jada stays healthy in that first game and we just don't get unlucky with other people slowly getting banged up, then, you know, what what is our first matchup look like with Thomas? And, you know, do we have a chance at that rematch with Thomas and how does that go, right? With both of those teams having a loss and, a, and their back kind of against the wall, that would have been a very interesting semifinal game uh, for, for the ticket to, to that final game. But obviously, that's not how it went. And, uh, you know, the team that, it, you know, if you have anything else to add on, obviously add it on. But the team that we'll talk about next uh, that does get that chance against Thomas. Um, you know, they obviously also had a great tournament and we talked about these four teams as the contenders and they were the last four standing. So, you know, they St. Thomas still performed up to expectations and even exceeded, I would say based off the injury luck, bad luck that they had. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, go ahead and talk about the next team here, or I could, if you want, uh, in Kaiser, do you mind? Uh, I guess I don't Bet. mind. Well, yeah, let's talk about Kaiser here. So uh, first off, right off the bat, speaking of injuries, Chloe Griffin had a hand injury. And so that definitely affects your depth there. So Marissa Rubino got a lot of playing time. And, I mean, she's a great veteran, and she brings a lot to this program. So obviously that's a great pickup for them. And, uh, I mean, she came up big time and help them out. But obviously, you know, if you had Chloe Griffin, things definitely could have been a little bit different for Kaiser, though. A little bit. Not too much different, but a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, I mean, played a great tournament here, honestly. They went pretty much as far as we both projected them to go, right? Uh, not making the... 
or actually, sorry, I think I projected them to go to the semis uh, on the winner's side, but they came up a little bit short here. Uh, I mean, they first off, let's start with that first major game here, Ottawa versus Kaiser, right? Uh, that was a pretty good game. You know, that was a really good game. That was a rematch of the first national championship and all that stuff. And, I mean, they only lost 20-12 to 12 here, and it, it was tough. You know, I mean, we said this was a game that could have won either way, and that kind of dropped them to the loser side of the bracket here, where, you know, they had to battle it out with some really tough teams here, which was just a little unlucky, because if they won it, then they would have went to the semis, and obviously, you're in a much better position, because that's much less games that you have to play here, and all of that great stuff, and so that's definitely something uh, that ended up being a real big game changer in their weekend plans there, just not being able to do that, but offensively, I mean, we knew what they were made of, and you know, they have a bunch of talent, it was on full display throughout this tournament, and then defensively, I mean, they really came up big here, uh, Samaya Bryant in that St. Thomas game got two interceptions in the fourth quarter, <laughs> which, uh, you know, contributed to Kaiser making a comeback victory here. They were down by as much as two touchdowns, like 14 points, I want to say. And they battled back because their defense really kept them in it, even though their offense had some struggles here. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, just talking about Kaiser as a group, offensively, they they had more struggles than I thought they would. Uh, really struggled with... Uh, how should I say this, with protecting the football and with turnovers. They had a lot of turnovers. It's one thing to, like, punt it and, like, you know, have a turnover on downs, but they had a lot of turnovers for sure. Isn't that right, Cody? No, they definitely did, and it... uh, ah, I, I can't even mince it here. A lot of them were sloppy, just very sloppy turnovers and, you know, very left me very puzzled at times. Now, uh, I I do want to say, you know, obviously you got to see that Ottawa game, very tight game, but I also want to give them credit here though. Kaiser, despite, you know, maybe not playing their best football, they pulled off comeback after comeback in, you know, this tournament that their very first game against Weber was a fantastic game and one that they came back. I believe that they are down 12-0. Double check my recap. (laughs) where I have the exact notes on that. But, you know, that was a comeback win for them. Now, obviously, against Kansas Wesleyan, it was just a little bit of a shootout, honestly. And uh, also, shout-out Kennedy Foster, or as uh, Tarek is is trying to coin uh, as his trademark, ESPN, of, you know, the NAIA flag football scene, who did make uh, ESPN W4 you know, her catch on a conversion in that KWU game. Uh, so, you know, he said that before she was on ESPN, uh, obviously, you know, referencing the top 10 plays that she's had before. But then for her to do that in the game that they play, uh, I don't know if he's so high on the nickname anymore. I'd have to check back in with him on that. Uh, friendly little banter there. But, you know, uh, Kaiser, they definitely, I don't know, they they would shoot themselves in the foot or I think that they I don't know I'm not sure what exactly was going on but I don't know if it was just I I guess like if I had to try and point at exactly something I'd just say that maybe their intensity 
wasn't really matching a handful of the other teams there. And, you know, I, I say this with, you know, I, I say this as, you know, a lot of these players that I have a ton of respect for, I got to talk to, you know, Jasmine Roden and kind of pick her brain a little bit. Obviously, you know, uh, Brenna Ramirez is somebody whose film, you know, we got to break down in an episode and also an interview that we got to do and get to know her better. And I got to meet her parents and then Kennedy Foster. I spent a lot of time talking to Kennedy, uh, just talking football and, you know, talking the tournament and matchups and all kinds of great stuff. So, you know, awesome, awesome squad, awesome women there. Uh, Justin, the head coach is, is an awesome dude and uh, provides a lot of insight. And, you know, obviously the guy who I got to talk to who was talking about, you know, the double Elim reflecting more of a wrestling tournament. It was really funny, actually, because I was like, oh, you know, what do you think of the new tournament? He's all, uh, are you familiar with wrestling tournaments? I said, no. <laughs> that was the, his, his response. His reaction was pretty funny. Just like, oh, like, I don't know if, if it was like surprise or disappointment, but... Anyways, you know, he broke it down for me and, and kind of filled me in on there because, uh, you know, Simon, you're familiar with this. I did not work wrestling. I did not work a single wrestling event at Northern Colorado. I either set up or I tore down. I would not work a wrestling event. No disrespect to any wrestlers listening to this, but that's just not that's not my thing. But I can't um, believe Cody's about you know, to get I, jumped by the whole wrestling community all at the same time. <laughs> All at the same time, we got some wrestlers out here in Colorado too. So I best watch my back. Murph, but, but uh, yeah, go ahead. You know, <laughs> Diesel. Um, but you know, I think that you know this team. Obviously, I think that you you bring up a great point. Their defense was playing really, really well. Uh, Pellegrino was making some great plays here, uh, like you said. Um, you know, Bryant made some great plays. Uh, Emma Wagonman w- had a really good tournament. You know, in general, I'd say, especially on the defensive side of the ball, great pressure on quarterbacks, uh, very timely sacks in in big moments, and you know, uh, great pass breakups and you know interceptions as well by these squads. Uh, Brenna Ramirez getting you know basically the nail in the coffin interception against KWU if there was one. So throughout this tournament, this defense did play very well, very exceptionally, and did just rose to the occasion. Um, but you know, I, I would say that their offense, you know, maybe wasn't at, at the same level of, of focus or, or intensity in this tournament as some of the other teams granted. I mean, they still made it to the semis, you know what I mean? Like, obviously it worked to a degree. Uh, but I do want to talk about this St. Thomas game real quickly and talk about very interesting call on one of Samaya Bryant's interceptions where it kind of gets batted up. And, you know, there is a, I I just want to pass along a little bit of the controversy and just, I think that this was the beginning of, well, I guess this isn't in, or no, this isn't in order uh, because obviously there's some interesting officiating prior to this in the day. But inside the dome, there is definitely, it was interesting officiating. Let me explain. So on that second pick, I believe it was her second interception. Uh, It's right by the goal line. And her foot is on the goal line. Um, But she's like the, the, and her momentum kind of carries forward. 
and then she takes a very like visible step into the end zone and, and her flag gets pulled, right? And so there is a long discussion with with the officials and her flag did not get pulled before she went into the end zone, but they spotted the ball at the one yard line when touchback was clearly the intention, but St. Thomas was, you know, trying to look at the screen and everyone, th- there is some controversy I'd say uh, on, on this call. I think at the bare, like you got to put it at the 15 yard line is where I was thinking it should have gone because if it was a touchback, which is what I thought it was, then it doesn't go to the one yard line, but they called it like her flag was pulled at the one, but it was. So that was weird. Um, so St. Thomas is probably not to digress and talk about their season, uh, you know, their reaction a little bit, but I know that they were feeling some kind of way because it was just kind of inconsistent uh, with what the officials seemed to have explained to them and then what was carried out on the field. Because I think it was explained to them and the opposing coach that, you know, it was a touchback, that she made it in the end zone, then her flag was pulled, it was her momentum that carried her in there, and then they put the ball in the one, which is just inconsistent with how that was supposed to go. So that was one of the more perplexing calls. There were plenty this week. <laughs> oh, man. I don't... It's disrespectful to, to laugh like that because I, I did get to talk to the officials on the very first day, and, you know, I think that this is... I, from what I was talking about with most of them, like these officials were also officiating uh, spring tackle games on the collegiate level as well. So I think that this was an experienced crew that maybe wasn't as experienced in NAIA flag. Uh, not that I'm a thousand percent sure on that, but you know, I, I think that uh, there, there's definitely a lot of officiating to talk about. And these refs also, would give in to different kinds of pressure. Now, well, there's more to talk about that on the recap, or I guess the outro, uh, probably overall. But, you know, that was an interesting moment in this tournament, and one that uh, Kaiser benefited from and, and capitalized off of and ended up winning this game from. And, uh, you know, the way that... I, I'd say that their kind of... Th- their turnover woes were, you know, crescendoed at in in their last game of this tournament against Thomas that you know was coming out determined and did play a good game in their own right but I do think that Kaiser could have played Thomas a lot well they played Thomas closer than the score shows anyway I would say but they really could have pushed this Thomas team a lot more however uh Chasmin Roden with pulling her arm back and getting the defender to jump and take it off for that touchdown that was lit and Roden still had a fantastic highlight reel from this weekend, especially pushing the ball downfield to Brenda Ramirez, who, you know, really balled out. And I mean, all tournament wise, they did just fine, obviously with Kennedy, as well as Brenda Ramirez, both making the all tournament team and both being the first ones called up there. So uh, that was a little long winded. I don't know if that was a proper train of thought to be followed, but Simon, what are your, I guess I want to see what you kind of were hearing or what the announcers had to say on the stream about that St. Thomas uh, KU interception play and them ruling it at the one. And then just go ahead and elaborate on kind of how their tournament ended and what to make of this season. 
yeah, it was a little all over the place, but that's okay. I'll wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, the announcers didn't know what was happening either, and I didn't either. I was pretty sure that was a touchback. I don't know why they put them down right there, but uh, you know what? It didn't matter. They still won that game, so it was fine at the end, you know, but definitely, uh, uh, I guess... A preview of things to come because we're going to talk about the officiating when we're talking about these last two teams in Ottawa and Thomas here. We're definitely just going to talk about it there instead of the outro. Uh, so there you go there. But obviously it didn't matter as much. Now, uh, when talking about the offense, I mean, look, Jasmine Roden had her uh, struggles as well. I'm not going to put it all on her. I think the whole offense in general had some really slow starts, I feel like, throughout this tournament. From the first game to the last game, I think they had just a lot of starts where they just didn't click. And, I mean, that's kind of something we saw all season. And, you know, they were a team that would always come back and uh, win and find a way to get it done. But, like, they, it was definitely a little bit of a red flag to see them start so slow so many times, you know, throughout the season. And then even in this tournament, I mean, it took them going down two scores, what, in two different games uh, to come back and win. And so that's real tough. If you're going to go down two scores to Thomas, that's not exactly something you're going to win. And the thing is, with Kaiser, we know that they're better than this for sure. And they know that too. You know, and so I don't want to, you know, hammer that in too hard here. But, I mean, against Thomas, he only lost 20-7. to You know, um, you had a couple interceptions. Shoot, yeah, you had a couple interceptions here uh, in this last uh, half here against Thomas. And it just wasn't good. You know, it just wasn't. And defensively, I mean, I got to give them a lot of respect. They played so well. You know, they played so well. I think just offensively, though, you they just had too many turnovers that really put their defense into some tough spots until they just couldn't hold too much. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into the blaming game and whatnot, but, I mean, Kaiser, I think they know that they're better than what they are. Uh, they definitely could be sharper here. And going into next year, I think they will be for sure. And I, I hope, you know, and this is no disrespect to Haley Young, a lover game, but I really hope Jasmine Roden comes back for one more year because I think she can potentially win it next year as well. I think as long as she keeps playing, they're going to have a chance to win it all because uh, she is that caliber of a quarterback. She has the ability to just make throws that some quarterbacks can't, you know, plain and simple. And obviously that's nothing against Haley Young. I like Haley Young as a player, you know, these last two years, uh, she's really been a key part to the squad in their double quarterback system. And, you know, she also caught a couple of touchdowns uh, this year as well. She's going to be an excellent, you know, replacement for when Jasmine Roden leaves. But I don't know if Roden is quite, if Jasmine is quite ready to just leave it all behind. I, I mean, I don't know where she's at in general, you know, but personally, from a personal standpoint, would love to see it running back. Oh, my God. Especially with Ashley Clam coming through. Arguably the number one prospect in this class. Just run it back. Just one time. One time. You know, and so um, obviously a little disappointing how their season ended. They know they could play better. That's a self-adjustment there. And so when they come back to this next year, it'll be interesting to see where they're at, especially with Ashley Clam coming through. And I know they have some other recruits as well in addition to her. But Ashley brings... She she brings a level of dominance that 
uh, you know, they already have firepower wise uh, in Kennedy Foster and all these other great receivers. I mean, you mentioned Brenda Ramirez. She went nuclear this tournament, to be honest with you, and just rose to the occasion. And she's going to be so good for them moving forward. But add in another receiver like Ashley Clam. This is going to be a dangerous. This is going to be a contender already going into next year. Um, so we'll just have to see. Definitely have to see what Jasmine Roden decides to do moving forward and whatnot. Uh, either way, even if Haley Young was the quarterback, I still think they'd be fine. She played really well when given the opportunity. But uh, yeah, Cody, do you have anything else to add on before we move on to our final two teams here whose fates are basically tied together at this point? Yeah, I just want to give one more shout out to the friendliness and hospitality of of this Kaiser squad. Uh, it was really fun to to watch Coach, you know, in his element out there and calling the defense, calling the offense, and adapting. You know, the chess matches between coaches on the field, or you know, you know what I mean. As in, like while the play clock's running down, is a very fun aspect of flag football as far as the flexibility that you have at the line is pretty monumental uh so it was really fun to watch the back and forth and he was a part of that entertainment there uh coach uh justin is i don't even know yeah coach justin hilliker i mean to to talk about so Uh, i mean sorry okay talk about head coach justin hilliker he coached his butt off this tournament the number of times they had to rally back and find a way to get it done and really dig deep and look within yourself. I mean, it takes truly a great head coach to get it done, and that's why he's one of the best in the biz, honestly. And so, obviously, if you're a recruit out there looking for a team to play with, obviously, you see Kaiser and why they're so successful. I mean, they have a great culture, you know, and it's very healthy, one of the healthiest next to Kansas Wesleyan, in my opinion. Plus, it's a great place to live at. West Palm Beach, oh, my God. I would love to live there personally. And we actually also have a mutual friend, Cody, who almost lived there in our boy, Denilson, who's our barber. Uh, but he chose to go somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, they, there's just so much positivity with this program. And, you know, they have an elite head coach, in my opinion. And it's really a matter of time before they win it. Uh, I think the bigger question is, who are they going to win it with? You know, because time is unfortunately running out for uh, players like Jasmine Roden and Kennedy Foster, who are now entering their final year of their uh, college career. So, um, yeah. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to just steal it from you there. But I mean, it's it's true though. Yeah, no, for sure. I echo everything you said. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was awesome to meet the team, get to know him, get to talk to him. Uh, Jasmine's funny. Because, you know, we post those highlights on our story and she'd always be like, hey, hey, can you send me that without all the words on it? Can, like, do you have the original video? I'm like, yeah, I got you. So as I was going through, uh, just trying to piece it all together, um, you know, uh, we, we we made it work. So, Which is okay, by um, the way. A lot of quarterbacks then, do that. Yeah, always yeah. ask us. We're more always than ask willing. us, you know, like, like, yeah, we send it. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but I just thought it was funny. There was like, it, it's like, bruh, please, t- like, please tell me you have this without text. I'm like, no, 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 I got you. I got you. So don't worry. Uh, so that was fun. And then, uh, her energy 
uh, as a spectator was really fun. And just her demeanor and poise uh, really, really impressed me uh, this week. Obviously, in the, all those comeback wins, you have to be poised um, at the quarterback position to pull those off. So there's that. Uh, Kennedy, ton of fun to talk to, talk about. Uh, you know, also talking about like U.S. flag and stuff like that was pretty sweet. And, you know, Brenna, who's, you know, I, I got to talk to the Ramirez's awesome people, huge fans of the show. Uh, they say that they love to listen to kind of get like scouting reports on teams and whatnot. So, you know, we appreciate the support in that aspect. And they had a lot to say about where flag is at and where it's going. And, uh, you know, they're good sports, too. They were badgering Brenna a little bit like, yeah, you know, she's going to be home for like two days before she has more flag football. So uh, it's year round, uh, which, you know, she talks about in that interview. I don't have the episode number right now, but go ahead and try and find it. Uh, you can just look up the Brenna Ramirez interview. <laughs> it should be good to go off of Playmaker's Corner. But uh, yeah, just huge shout out to, you know, the friendliness of, of that squad. It was awesome to talk and meet them as well. But Simon, I think that you could talk about, you know, the the national runners up here, and uh, there's a lot to react to for this Nighthawk team that, uh, you know, put put on a show this weekend at bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, let's just hop into it. So Thomas, uh, they played hard. I really want to talk about mostly the games down the stretch because they, I think those are obviously the ones that matter. They took care of business where they had to, you know, beat Warner beat St. Thomas. I didn't think they beat St. Thomas by as much as they did, but they did. It was a pretty dominant showing, and then it led to their first significant matchup against Ottawa, who, you know, we're going to talk about more focused on after this, but I do want to talk about it from the Thomas perspective here. You know, I mean, that first matchup against Ottawa for the uh, chance to go to the national championship, that's huge because that was a semifinal game. Now, if they lost, Still at a security blanket, they would automatically be put into another semifinal game against whoever comes out from the loser side here. But, you know, obviously you want to win there just so that you know, okay, we win this game. Tomorrow we have to win only one to go ahead and be national champs. Instead of, oh, we lose this game, we have to play a semifinal to get there. And then we have to win two in a row, which we said in the season preview would be extremely hard to do. I don't know if any team really had the capability of doing that, you know, and so that made this matchup so important. And so just talking about this matchup, okay, I mean, let's let's talk about maybe the controversy first, right, Cody? Uh, because, uh, well, okay, let me, let's not get to that first. Let me, sorry, let me put down some of the background info here. So everyone was pretty healthy for the most part. Um, Alexa Wilson, in my opinion, played really well and was playing well up until this point, which was maybe one of the other, only other concerns, seeing how she would handle playing in her first tournament and all that. I thought she did a pretty solid job leading up to this Ottawa game. So there you go. And I believe for the most part, everyone was healthy, but then a little bit through that game against Ottawa, that first game that is, uh, Jada Reese got hurt and it was obvious. And, you know, we, we heard different things about her being hurt and all that stuff and oh, they wanted to give, you know, Ottawa different looks, but I mean, she was very limited after that. 
she would only play the St. Thomas game uh, following this Ottawa versus Thomas game. And then she did not show up for the rest of the series. And so that is a game changer. Because uh, last year, I mean, she was hurt as well down the stretch. And, I mean, that's the difference between winning and losing. That's a player that's really key to your defense. And they had to take Giselle Jones and put her at rusher. And look, a lot of credit to Giselle Jones. She did not play rusher for the majority of this season. She was a DB and was a great one at that and was a finalist. But they put her down at rusher. She was a good sport about it. And she had to just really learn on the fly and get really good. And that's really hard to do against a running quarterback like Madison Carrera, who's one of the best. And, I mean, it's not about just rushing her. It's about taking the right angles and kind of pinning her down and putting her in uncomfortable situations. Stuff that Jada Reese did so well because she's so focused just playing that rusher position. But then now you have Giselle Jones trying to figure that out on the fly and so a lot of credit to her for you know doing her best there but losing Jada Reese was it had to be a gut punch for sure for Thomas and so you know like St. Thomas and Warner and some of these other teams that's a key injury that really affected them down the stretch here and I think if she was in there could be some different outcomes for sure right off the bat Uh, is that fair to say Cody no absolutely and you know i I was one of those recipients of the source uh, of trying to, you know, deliver a different look. And, you know, I thought maybe with her, with Reese, that is playing in the St. Thomas game, like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, But yeah, I mean, with the, with the rap that was on uh, with the rap that Reese had it and just kind of her, her demeanor and energy a little bit, um, and even, you know, like, I, I don't even think she was really getting as fired up during the plays that she was making, uh, even against St. Thomas. So, you know, I think that that kind of that the status of Reese uh, definitely felt like a little bit of a blow to a Thomas team that would be on the receiving end of a handful of those uh, throughout the you know back half of this tournament. Like you said, first half of the tournament, they did what they were expected and supposed to do uh, just like their, you know, counterpart in, in Ottawa. Um, we're supposed to, you know, you and I, we both projected these teams to meet and, and be the two teams that would determine, you know, who would win all of it uh, in our, in our brackets that it would come down to these two, whether it was in two or three games. And, you know, it was over the course of three games. And, uh, you know, I just want, I want to, kind of speak on the first game and what I think was the big turning point. Well, I, I don't, you, it's not even, I think what I can say is the big turning point. And, you know, that was a miscommunication of the scoreboard operator and the officials on the field as the time ran out in the first quarter on the scoreboard clock. However, you know, the clock that the official has is the official time. Now, it is the, <coughs> excuse me, it is the official's duty to communicate that to the scorekeeper. And there were times after this, after this incident in the tournament where the refs would blow the whistle, they would signal up to the scorekeeper like, hey, this is what we need on the clock, right? But this communication where Thomas gets a playoff with 
zeros on the clock, but not zeros on the actual game pl- clock that the ref has, that the official has, that the white hat has. Um, this led to a major outburst on the Ottawa sideline. And after that, the re- the officials completely lost their edge with calling penalties on Ottawa. And, you know, that play, you know, there were, they, they threw an unsportsmanlike, and I also want to say a pass interference on that play that ended the first quarter, but it was an entirely different game after that. It the the energy, the vibes, the momentum, everything shifted pretty 180 in Ottawa's favor. Um, fo- and you know, it this is I would say that this is on the officials here that they lost their nerve, they lost their edge. They folded here and and were basically domesticated or docile for for the remainder of this game in Ottawa's favor. Um, and it was reflected in it. Now, I don't want that to like diminish Ottawa's very dominant performance in this game. You know, their their stars came out. Alyssa Linkus, who won tournament MVP obviously did her thing in this game and had one of my favorite clips of the tournament where she does that. Somebody somebody reposted that highlight and they put like the waving hands emoji on either side of a clown face. Uh, I think it was someone close to Alyssa. So I think it was all fun and games. And uh, that was a really hilarious celebration in my, in my opinion. Uh, Camacho was doing her thing. Madison Carrera looked... <laughs> Madison Carrera looked unstoppable. Uh, at times in in this opening matchup. And so, you know, Ottawa, they still performed. They held up their end on the field, but the officials did not hold up their end on the field. And I think that that was reflected in probably most specifically the Wilson rushing touchdown that was a touchdown. Whoa, I was whoa, on wait, wait, wait. that. I was Sorry. On... I, we, we should still probably talk about that first game, and we'll talk about Ottawa as well. Sorry to cut you off there because uh, – that was the first game. That was the first game. Oh yeah, no, at the Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Touchdown. At the end, though, but in like the first in, game. So you you mentioned there being some confusion at the end of the quarter, but the most important thing that happened because it started in the second quarter, and I don't know why, but they robbed Thomas of a down. Uh, so that's that's why that's kind of a big deal there. You know, uh, with the with all of that going on and all the drama, because what happened is that it should have been a PI, that you know, too. and it was a PI. Uh, you know, she you extended right. You can't do that. You could get away with it, uh, but you just you gotta know as a DB, you can't extend right in front of a, an official like that. And it takes getting used to. I mean, Jacani Washington, I'm pretty sure is a freshman, so that's fine there. Uh, I'm not holding that to her. But then, you know, they did throw a personal foul, right? And on Sportsmanlike, didn't they throw it on the coaches as well? On the Sour Sisters? On the Ottawa yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, on yeah the so Sour they Sisters. did that, you know. And so going into the second. Specifically, Kate. Yeah, so going into the second quarter, I mean, regardless, it was going to be a new set of downs because when that happened, it was third down, right? And so for this many plays to happen after that, there's no way it would have been a repeat of third down or whatever. It had to have been a new set of downs going into the second quarter. And so, I I mean, I said this in the recap. 
I don't know if the officials like count it because I know Thomas it looked like they were lining up for a play when there were zeros on the clock. And I don't know if the officials counted that as a play, but they definitely didn't snap it or run it. And so they should have had four downs to start the second quarter. And then what would happen, and I'm just going to go you know, down the line with this, is that uh, it was f- first and goal inside the five. A Cole, uh, or sorry, Janae Scott checks in for Alexa Wilson. So it was the Cole-Scott combo. A Cole throws it to Scott for maybe three yards. On second down, Wilson checks back in. There's a delay of game, but then they go ahead and wave it off and say that Thomas got the timeout off, okay? So it's still second down here. No penalty happened. And on second down, they run the play. The ball is slightly off the mark here, but it's another P.I. on Ottawa, and it was definitely a P.I., right? So half the distance here. Uh, Assuming, you know, it's still third down here, you know, at the worst, so they don't repeat uh, the down, but assuming it's still third down, they run a third down play. It's that slant to Delva, and it is a drop because honestly, if she caught it, then you know we wouldn't be talking about this. But it's dropped, and Ottawa starts celebrating like they just got a big goal line stand. When reality, it's still fourth down. But then they just kind of give it to them and say it's a turnover on downs, and Ottawa all of a sudden takes over, even though they only ran three plays, and so. I, I know you were getting to, I don't know if you are going to get to that or not, but I just had to make sure to make that clear that that happened. And so when all that drama was going on, that affected what would happen later on. And I don't know if maybe they were just, the refs were a little rattled or whatnot, but they just like completely missed that they only ran three plays and should have had one more down, obviously in the red zone. And you know, every down in the red zone matters, especially when you're that close. And I mean, Cody, even you at the time said that you didn't notice like that happening because of everything that was going on right which is understandable but you didn't notice that they that there is an extra down that they left out and also just throwing this out there there weren't any down markers so nobody on the field knew what down it was i would say i know i know the refs knew and obviously they communicated that to the scoreboard people as well but there's not a down like a physical down marker there which would change the next day because in the next day of games, there was one there. And so that's a big deal because at that point, you know, Thomas was down by seven. If they scored, you know, which I think there's a solid chance that they do, uh, at least a 50-50 chance, right? Then that would have tied it. And that was obviously really frustrating. And it probably got to the players and the coaches as well, just not being able to understand why they didn't get that. So they were already pretty frustrated. So that's, I mean, it's not a, you know, a guaranteed touchdown that they took away, but that's definitely a potential touchdown that was taken away. Right, Cody? It was, and and I do want to just say, yes, thank you for getting it in order there. Uh, as I did jump a little bit ahead in the game, but you know, it was, it was confusing. Like it was intense down on that field. Like it was, it was kind of nasty, honestly. Um, and so, you know, the officials, I mean, it's, it's their job to, to be composed and they didn't stay composed. And, you know, between the unsportsmanlike, the issue with the score clock and the, down confusion and the amount of laundry that was on the field um with with all the different penalties i mean i could definitely see you know the frustrate i i can understand the frustration 
from Ottawa's side because, I mean, it is the White Hat's job to stop the game and make sure that that clock is correct because there were zeros on that clock for, like, a while. Like, legit, there were zeros for a minute. But, like, you know, me being really close to the field and hearing the refs communicate how much time there was to each other, I knew that there was still time for another play. However, you know, you don't always have that luxury if you're, like, getting ready or if you're talking to players, making adjustments, you know what I mean? Like If you're coaching, right, like you can't spend your whole time talking to the refs to know how many seconds are in the game, especially when you have like a very legit score clock there. But after that, it just like spiraled. The energy was bad on, on both sides. I'd say right, rightfully so, mind you. Um, but, you know, Ottawa definitely in this, you know, unfortunate series of events comes out in the long term way better off uh from this and you know for the rest of the game benefits a lot more um like i said they did everything that they needed to do to um you know win this game from an on the field execution standpoint but you know these reps were shivering in their boots dude it was it was unlike any kind of folding that i've ever seen these refs were on laundry day. It was nuts. Yeah, you need to keep your nerve. That's it. Um, that's nothing to take away from Ottawa. That's just the quality of the game, right? I mean, there's people watching this and trying to get into it. And so you have to ref it the best you can and not not just be so sloppy because that's... This is college yeah, athletics. You can't... You know? Maybe if it was high school, even then, that would be bad. I know there's a ref shortage. But, like, still, for college, you gotta... You have to be better. That's it. You're in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. This isn't something that you messed up. And it was a mistake for sure. You know, obviously, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, it went Ottawa's way. But it's definitely a mistake for the refs there. And so that kind of affected things. I think uh, that was just a really bad... Uh, it just put Thomas in a really bad mood and kind of threw them off. Plus, though, and Jada Reese not being able to play and all that stuff. So you were already in a bad mood. And then, I mean, they just continued to make some mistakes. Uh, Alexa Wilson, lover, respecter. Uh, I, you know, we exchanged some words and messages uh, after the tournament and whatnot. And so she knows where I stand with her and whatnot. But, I mean, uh, she made too many mistakes. There was a lot of interceptions, some balls that, you know, honestly, I wasn't mad at. I was, like, okay with the decision. I was like, okay, I see where you're going. It's one-on-one, but you need to throw it outside, right? You need to put more juice on it. Yeah, push it inside for sure on some of those throws. Yeah, and I think there were – I think uh, part of it was her just maybe being a little trigger happy and trying to get the ball out quick to avoid Sue's uh, Kaufman and DJ Paris, who played great, by the way. Uh, and we'll talk more about Ottawa in general and their team after this uh, so that we could give them the roses for sure. But I think uh, they, they got to her a little bit, you know, and uh, throw in, you know, some questionable calls from the refs and, you know, you're already losing too. I think as a freshman, it just became a little bit too much for her in that moment which is fine i think that's very human and you learned and lived from it and i think she really did live and learn from it uh after this game for sure uh so we definitely more to talk about there but in the fourth quarter though uh as you were mentioning here cody before i stopped you i mean yeah so there was a fourth down play in the red zone where alexa wilson rushed to left uh reached out the ball and they called her short um and real time I felt like she scored. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait a second. 
uh, what happened? Because at first I was like, oh, well, okay, she got her flag pulled short. I get it. Great flag pull there. They took a good angle, right? Also, clean angle, too. Uh, didn't have to hold her anything. But then, you know, as she got up, I saw that both her flags were still attached. And I was like, oh, her flag's not pulled. So the only way she could go down is if she stepped out of bounds or if the ball fell out of her hands. But obviously there's no fumble, so it's spotted. You know, where the ball falls is where it's spotted. And so, uh, I, you know, at first for a split second, I reverted to, you know, uh, regular 11 on 11 football and I thought well you know maybe she fumbled the ball out of bounds type of deal right um but no there's no that's not really a rule in flag football at least I don't think so because it's down you know it's down where the ball stopped and she definitely hit the pylon and it was the inside of the pylon and I mean I literally took a picture of it and sent it to Cody real time and I was like hey that's her foot in bounds. It's very much in bounds. It's her right foot. Her left foot is lifted up, obviously, because she's kind of leaning towards this thing. And the football, uh, I mean, her arm is across, and it looks like it's across the plane here. I want to say it's Suze Kaufman that's in the way, though. Uh, but you could kind of tell by where her arm is at. It's definitely across. I mean, there's no way that it wasn't. And they called her down. And she argued with it. <laughs> Uh, obviously she, you're not going to win that anytime whenever that happens. And it was just a bad call. I mean, both of her flags were still on, uh, she was in bounds. The ball was across at least clearly. I mean, the ref obviously had a better view of it, so I don't understand why he didn't call it, uh, that way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of when I knew this game was over. Right, Cody? Dude. They should not have been playing instant replay on the big screen. Oh my gosh, when that replay came up. And you know, the play I mean, with the way that the dome is, it's it's like in a the screens are on a circle at the top of the dome. So you could see a screen from any angle. So, you know, the call happens and all the players from both squads are looking up at the screen immediately. And Man, when they see that the flags are still on and the ball gets across, it is nasty in there. You know, it was it uh, it it's really a shame the turn that this game made. And I I just want to put out there, it's I, I condemn this. You know, if the refs do this for for any coach, right? But with especially with the pre-existing notion that Ottawa is favored by the refs um, and then for this series of events to happen in this game it does not help the officiating crew for that to happen you know it it makes it so much worse the magnifying glass is larger on you and with the way that they reacted to the pressure earlier in this game it was only going to crumple more and more um, and I think that that becomes a recurring theme, obviously, throughout this. Uh, throughout this and honestly, I mean, just if we were to just to take out the context that it was Ottawa and Thomas, you know, and it could have been any two random teams to miss two big calls like that in a semifinal game is unacceptable. It's honestly fireable, to be honest with you. I mean, you can't do anything about it now, but it's honestly fireable. Uh, someone should get fired for that because that's, I mean, I guess it's one thing to miss one big call, uh, even that in a semifinal game, you really shouldn't, but to miss two big calls, 
I can't defend you. I mean, what do you want me to do? And it sucks because it takes away a lot from Ottawa, honestly, who were probably going to win this game anyways. I mean, like I said, Thomas made too many mistakes on offense, right? Defensively, they kind of held them in check. uh, But offensively, you threw too many interceptions. That's what it came down to. Um, Even if, you know, even if uh, you got that extra down, were you going to score? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, there's that. Uh, and even if you got this touchdown in the fourth, you'd still be down two, right? You still would have needed to score a lot earlier on than the fourth quarter. Uh, at least one more time before in the fourth quarter, before that one, to make this one really a game. And so it does take a lot away from Ottawa, which is really unfortunate, but it is what it is. But anyways, Thomas, they'd battle back, uh, you know, went through the loser's side, would go ahead and play St. Tom, or sorry, not St. Thomas, they play Kaiser, right? Uh, they played Kaiser in the semis, which was a pretty solid game. Defense came to play. They did well. Uh, by the way, got to give a lot of credit to Sanaya Glover. Uh, she Because Giselle Jones got slid over to Russia, she came back in, and she was a big part of this defense uh, last year. And then this year, I mean, she basically just kind of got replaced here. Uh, but she stayed ready, right? And she continued to contribute. She stayed mentally sharp, and she really came to play and really brought an edge and an energy that I think this Thomas team really needed with the absence of Jada Reese, to be honest with you. Now, it's obviously different, right? But she brings a level of aggressiveness that you need to win a championship. And so big ups to Sanaya Glover, uh, not only for the St. Thomas game, but the Ottawa, but the different Ottawa games that they had to play for sure because she definitely stepped up, right, Cody? Okay. Check, check. Can you hear me? Yep. Could you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, go for that it. That was weird. All right. Anyways, <clears throat> yeah. No, Glover's impact cannot be overstated here. Obviously, not the situation that you want to be in as, as Thomas. Obviously, you want a healthy Jada Reese for this tournament. But you know, it's it's a part of the game, right? Uh, next next person up. What can we do? And, you know, they did exactly that. So um, I think that, you know, the impact was good. You know, the impact was great. Obviously, you know, she stepped up in a big way, got some, made some big plays, uh, especially on, you know, the Saturday set of games. And, uh, you know, also this Thomas defense against Kaiser was very opportunistic, forced a lot of turnovers. And just overall played really, really well. So I think that, you know, heading into this, these set of games Saturday, they're very vindictive, right? They are, they're on their get back. They feel that this is, you know, uh, well, they're like, this is their Avengers, you know, this is their time to avenge. Last year, this is their time to push through, get two wins and, and get their, championship that you know they feel some kind of way about um you know i'd say and i see i see the reason that they feel the way that they do obviously right so it's it's time for their get back and you know to give thomas credit here they play a heck of a game they look brand new in that first game against ottawa on that saturday and they win by two scores you know, they win 25 to 13. They make a lot of big plays. They shake off a couple of, you know, 
Uh, I mean, I feel like just throughout this weekend, they were a little uncharacteristic uh, catching the ball or lack thereof at times, but they really figured it out in this game. They were making some big catches. They were making some contested catches. They were making great plays with the ball in their hands and turning up field. And, you know, they just really picked it up. And then, you know, as far as defensively, their flag pulling, I'd also just say in that loss, in that 19-0 loss that sent them to the bottom bracket, their flag pulling was not as good as it typically is. Um, I don't know if that's because of the adaptation that they're trying to make on defense and if that's having, like, a trickle effect. But even in the early game, uh, there were some times where they – they just missed flags. I mean, they were still getting good flag pulls too. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think that they were at the Thomas level of flag pulling that we've come to expect from them in that first matchup. And that looked drastically different in, in the rematch in the first rematch in game two of this three game series, essentially uh, against Ottawa. You know, I think that they just overall were just clicking and they looked like a well-oiled machine on Saturday in that very first matchup. Um and I I don't I don't see how you could disagree and Ottawa looked, you know, a little bit on their heels too at times. Um and so they had to, you know, Ottawa had to have a good talk during the break between the first and second game of that Saturday Saturday and uh you know, kudos to to the Sours for for rallying their team and whatnot more on that later, but you know, they they put uh Ottawa on edge. Obviously, and you know, you and I were we were messaging about this, you know, before that first game. Uh, I was like, you know, Thomas, they look really dialed in here. They look very determined. The energy on the sideline is different than it was yesterday. You know, this this feels like a team that is about to win a football game uh, first. But obviously, Ottawa on the flip side, they want to snuff it out. They want they don't want to go to a game three. You know, either team in that position, any team in that position never wants to. And you pointed out, yeah, it's it's like a game six energy. You don't want it to go to a game seven uh, because, you know, obviously one, it's over versus, you know, the other team is going to be feeling themselves forcing that extra game and is going to come in with a little bit more swagger than even the prior game. So, you know, it's a matter of confidence and, you know, how they feel going into it. And, you know, Thomas, uh, credit where credit's due, they they dialed it in for this game. And, uh, you know, also, uh, just to really briefly bring up the Kaiser game as well, uh, shout out to specifically, I mean, obviously this entire Thomas team, like I said, lots of turnovers and turning up, and uh, was a great warm-up game to establish confidence and to kind of heat up prior to this Ottawa game. And uh, Kiana Akola, especially in that Kaiser game, she was bawling out. I mean, as she does, you know, it's not like unexpected, but, you know, to to be scoring all those TDs and a lot of those conversions, um, got to be feeling good about that goal line package heading into these championship games, which is an important note. I mean, obviously they feel confident about the goal line package anyway, right? But, but more on Kiana Akola later uh Simon your reaction to uh this Kaiser game and some notes that you have from the Ottawa game as well yeah so in the Kaiser game I mean it made sense I think the offense was they were kind of reeling a little bit I I don't know where the confidence was at they had a bad game 
uh, honestly. I mean, you could talk about the missed calls, but at the end of the day, you didn't play well enough to win it anyways, in my opinion. At least you not deservingly, right? And so you had to clean it up, clean up the turnovers. You had to make better decisions. You had to get the play to the line a little bit quicker, you know, to reserve those timeouts and whatnot. And so it was definitely something where the offense felt really rattled. You know, and so defensively, they did a good job and they stepped up. And I think they really helped out the offense a little bit, helped them gain their confidence back by giving them some grace by playing so well. You know, Sonia Glover, Giselle Jones, Renee Scott, and Delva uh, were much better flag pullers this game. They didn't have the best game at all flag pulling in uh, that first one, any like either. You know, and so this was just really good uh, just for, you know, Thomas to kind of get their confidence boosted a little bit, Uh, specifically their offense, because when they played that first game, like you said, basically game six, if they force a game seven, anything could happen. I mean, this offense start out really hot. I mean, first quarter, you know, didn't do too much. They did get into the red zone, though, uh, which is pretty good. But then they would kind of stall out thanks to Suze Kaufman just playing great football. Uh, so there's that as well. But in the second quarter, and I would say even the third quarter as well, was when Thomas really turned it up on offense and started applying the pressure. Defense, you know, they were doing their thing, applying pressure, really challenging Otto on offense and giving them some issues here. Uh, they didn't have the greatest game of all time. So that's really what you want from your defense. But offensively, they turned it up. And I mean, I'm going to go ahead and give Alexa Wilson a lot of praise and credit here. Obviously, a lot of credit to her receivers too because uh, they did have some drops uh, in especially in that first game, I know Giselle Jones had a really bad drop, and then there's some other things as well, but I want to give Alexa Wilson some credit, because she did play a lot better, and had a lot better accuracy here, accuracy here, I mean, in the second quarter here, there's this one, the first touchdown they had, where it was fourth down, Wilson was under pressure, she lofts a beautiful pass right up the seam to Giselle Jones, who gets it, and then reaches it over to give him the lead, that was a great pass by Wilson, you know, and uh, those are passes that she kind of struggled with the day before. And so as a quarterback, you know, and I'm a quarterback guy. I'm a guy who played it. Uh, I coach it as well. I mean, a lot of it is just the mental game, you know, especially when you're playing games back to back, usually in normal 11 v 11, you don't have to do that. But when you're in flag football and you had a really bad game, it's it could be a little bit harder if you're not as experienced uh, and, you know, just a bit younger to kind of get yourself out of that mindset and get focused on the next game, you know. But Alexa Wilson, a lot of credit to her. She bounced back so well, and that's just a testament to her greatness as a quarterback, both talent-wise and mentally. And she's going to be someone that's, you know, going to be one of the faces of this team moving forward for sure and one of the faces of flag football in general. And so for her to make that, though, was great. But then she would come back to it and throw another scene, this time to Brittany Delva. And, I mean, this was just kind of a play where you had to trust Delva to get open. Uh, You just had to trust her to go make a play. And she put it right on the money, and Delva made the rest happen from there. And so getting a two-score lead on Ottawa real quick really helped put this thing away here uh, because then from there, Ottawa was playing from behind and your defense was playing so well up to that point. Then in the third quarter here, I mean, Wilson uh, just continues to stay composed under pressure, throwing the quick game well, letting her receivers go to work. Delva had another big touchdown, just making it happen on her own there. And then finally in the fourth, um, 
you know, uh, Wilson throws just a great ball here to Jones, who makes a great catch and uh, sets them up for a nice touchdown to really put this thing away. And so uh, I really want to give Alexa Wilson a lot of credit. You know, that's how I knew, you know, hey, she's the real deal for sure. And, you know, Cody, we, we could talk about this a little bit, but you did you did message me like, hey, you know, and this was on the Friday game versus Ottawa, and they weren't going to, I mean, you know, it was kind of a blowout at this point. It was like the fourth quarter with seven minutes left. They were down 19-0. There was that blown call there. You did message me, you know, do you consider taking Alexa Wilson out uh, at all? And I replied back with no. You have to let her live with the mistakes. You have to keep her in there. You have to have faith in your quarterback, you know, because I think maybe putting somebody else in there would be kind of a show of a break of faith almost, and you just can't do that. And, you know, Chelsea Palmer, she's an excellent coach. I respect the heck out of her. She's probably one of the best in the country. She's coached so many great players. Uh, you know, she could be tough for sure, and we could see that on the stream and on the sideline and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, she does it for a reason, right? And so I thought she did the right thing, keeping her out there and trusting her and not making a switch and being like, hey, you know, you know what you got to do, go perform, right? And she did, and she stepped up to the occasion. So uh, big ups to her because, look, if they lost this game, then that's it. Ottawa's the national champs. But I think Thomas really forced the action here in this uh, first national championship game here. Uh, I... Yeah, the first national championship game here. And, you know, forced basically the equivalent of a game seven because of how well they played on offense. Defensively, it's an expectation for this defense to always challenge opposing offenses. It's really up to the offense to match that pressure, right, Cody? No, for sure. I mean, you got to play a complete game, you know, to, to, to win a national championship. And, you know, with with where they were at um, in all of those games. I mean, you look at just the game that they win here, it's complimentary football on both sides of the ball, and the results speak for itself. Um, and I'd even also say that in the final game of, of this NAIA flag football season, that both sides of the ball in this very close contest for both squads was making plays, and that led to one of the most thrilling games of the year, one of the craziest games of the year. Um, but you know, as far as like through three and a half quarters, one of the most competitive games of the season. And I mean, that, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, and, and you can see that in, in a lot of the big, uh, matchups throughout just the entire tournament, not to digress a little bit, but you see that that's what's necessary to win these close games. You know, Weber getting lots of points on offense to come back and beat Midland. Kaiser with their comeback against St. Thomas with timely interceptions and big plays on offense. That's just, I mean, you just need that complimentary football in flag football. I say more than even tackle, honestly. Um, and, and the only reason why I say that is we've seen just crushing, imposing defenses take teams all the way to the chip with, you know, average or even sub average offenses at times. Um, and I feel like that's something that happens a lot in tackle. I mean, flag is still young, and there's obviously examples where that's not the case. But so far in this NAIA flag football history, uh, that statement just rings true generally. 
Yeah, no, for sure. But uh, let's keep this thing going. This thing's almost three hours long, which is probably two hours longer than we initially wanted it to be. So it's a good thing it's yep. separate anyways. But yeah, let's keep it going here. I mean, so in the last game here, it was a close game. They went back and forth. Um, we'll talk about the Ottawa side of things later. So I don't want to talk about any Ottawa players right now. I just want to talk about Thomas, you know. And so they played well. I mean, played with a lot of confidence. Thomas, at this point, I felt like really feel that, you know, they have this, not in the bag, but they have this kind of where they want him. You know, for the situation that they're in, they have them where they want him. You know, they're coming off a dub. They just beat them. You know, they're playing literally like 20, 30 minutes later. It's go time. It's do or die. It's now or never. Or, well, maybe not never, but it's not. It's now or next year is what we're looking at. Now or 365 days from now. And so the pressure's on, and they battle all the way up into the fourth quarter. They're battling, they're battling. And, you know, Ottawa, uh, they go ahead and they score here to take an 18-13 to 13 lead here. And so Thomas gets the ball with a minute 50 seconds left. And this is where things get real eerie because it's almost exactly how last year's national championship went where Ottawa scored, and then Thomas got the ball in the final minutes. Obviously, you know, subbing a couple different players here. Uh, instead of Shelby Hartley, it's Alexa Wilson here. And so this is where, you know, they have a good drive in. Uh, I mean, this is a honestly a drive that I was really proud of Alexa Wilson because, you know, like I said, I'm very quarterback biased. But, you know, she kept her composure. And she led a really good drive down the field, you know, starting with finding Pena, not panicking, knowing you have time, just get the first down, right? And then following that, getting another short play and then just trusting her receivers to make plays and just standing strong and tall in the pocket in the face of pressure because she was, they were getting after her for sure, but staying, you know, composed and then eventually she finds Aaliyah Wood, the freshman phenom who makes an excellent pitch here to uh or sorry my bad my bad my bad Wilson finds Pena who then makes an excellent pitch to Aaliyah Wood who then is off to the races and looks like she's about to score and end this thing once and for all here and give Thomas the lead but she gets stopped just barely and this is just an excellent play by Farron Maloof on this one which we'll talk about more later when talking about Ottawa and so that does put them in the red zone with a chance to win it and I don't want to recap this whole thing because you could check the recap for all of that but basically it comes down to a uh, I would say a third down really with about 18 seconds left here and uh all right it was third down yeah, sorry, third down with 26 seconds left, excuse me. And Keanu Cole, she's in, Janae Scott is in for Alexa Wilson. You know, this is what they usually do, and they run it, they run it left, a call, it looks like she gets outside, and to me, it looks like she scored. You know, and we've been sent a bunch of different screenshots, uh, we've... I've uh, actually just recorded that recap like literally today. So it's real fresh in my mind. I watched that play at least 10 or 15 times. And it really looks like the ball is in the end zone when her flag gets pulled. And I'm pretty sure rules are is where the balls are, uh, where, where the ball is when your flags are pulled. That's where it's placed. Right, Cody? I tried to look up the rules, but I wasn't sure. Regardless, I mean, she was pretty... She was pretty deep yeah, into the end zone, right? It's the spot of the ball. Yeah. Um, 
and I mean the screenshots of the exact moment where the ball even gets to the plane it's kind of hard to dispute not gonna lie um, I will get it if it was closer like you know if it was a closer deal but it doesn't not look that close <laughs> like I I don't know like I, I would get if it was like maybe like you know a split hair type of deal and you know she might have been right on the line or anything like that but when you really just stop stop it and look when her flag is getting pulled and look where the football is and how much of her arm is across. Uh, that's a missed call, you know, just plain and simple. You missed it. That's it. And for Thomas, that is definitely a frustrating thing for sure. Cause like I said, there's already the narrative of Ottawa naturally always going to get their calls and whatnot. And you know, they are the defending national champs, right? But for that to happen, uh, first off refs, you, need to do a little bit of a better job i don't know i i don't know how to even combat that well I mean, this it's just a mistake this is, this is the same ref who makes a pretty bad call on janae scott uh just on the previous drive um i'd say that like it's it's a it's a non-call is really what i think it should have been um especially in a game that's as competitive and you know like I, I mean, look, obviously flag is is not tackle, but there's going to be some physical elements to the game. That's just how it is. Um, and so this play was very coincidentally uh, physical. And, you know, who who initiated it? I don't really think it matters because the, the call at the end of the day is just not a call you make in that situation in this game. Where I mean eh, to justify that call is is way harder than to justify a no call. I think is like if you want to be utilitarian about it, I think is how you approach that. And you know that breathes extra life into the Braves on the previous drive. And you know something that I just want to point out in this narrative too, and something that you mentioned too is, you know, it does take away from Ottawa. And, and their accomplishments, period. You know what I mean? Regard Because it's like, you know, these calls, it, it makes more of a what if rather than Ottawa has won. You know what I mean? And, and that stinks. And we'll talk about Ottawa more in a sec. But, and then for Thomas, I mean, it's just disheartening, frustrating. And, I mean, I, I will say I did, I get to talk to, you know, um, I did get to talk to the players after the game and, you know, it, it was sour, but, you know, I think that, uh, they, I think that they were reacting exactly how you'd expect them to be reacting. Uh, but you know, I think I, I, whenever I talked to him, I said, Hey, like, just keep it up, keep your head up, get back to work. That's all you can do now. You can only control what you can control. Uh, that it sucks. Like I'm, I'm not telling you can't be mad about it. Period. Obviously, um, but uh, you know they all still gave a solid smile when I asked for pictures because <laughs> I I wanted to get pictures with all these elite college athletes here. Obviously, so I appreciate y'all for for doing that and uh, you know uh, posing and whatnot. But you know I think that obviously tensions are high. 
the moods aren't great. It's very sour for for Thomas, and I don't blame them. I really don't blame them. Um, everything considered, they they played a hell of a tournament, and you know the one I will say one ref in particular kind of really sells um, here at the end. And I, I do think that I, I don't, I don't think this ref is intentionally selling in the name of Ottawa, but uh, with, with the prestige that is with that program and, and with, I mean, I'm not justifying it, but you know, uh, the these they just need more qualified, more steady, more controlled, more poised, composed refs uh, heading into the future. Well, now to kind of go on the other side of things, because real quick at the end here, it did become fourth down in inches, and Thomas had like two or three extra chances after that first chance to score here because they ran the play, and Nicole was definitely stopped short here because she takes it right up the middle. And then the ref said that the clock wasn't rolling or there was something going. So they essentially replay it after the whole play happened. And so in my eyes, that was the refs making up for one of the two calls that they missed here late. Um, in my eyes. Because, like, you know, it's like, okay, you just ran a play. You kind of saw what their defense is doing. That's not good. Obviously, you know, the defense saw what your offense is doing. But they know at this point. Uh, and so that, that was definitely one that they kind of tried to give to Thomas, but then obviously at the end, they still got stopped. Right. And it was what it was. Uh, but even then it shouldn't have come down to that point. They probably should have scored and that would have been it. So there you go there. But yeah, I mean, definitely agree. Thomas, uh, they do have a right to be mad. I mean, they had, I think out of all the teams that played, they had a lot of calls that didn't go their way. Now, I'm going to say this, you know, because I know there's someone mad out there for sure, uh, which is fine. There's always going to be people mad. But, you know, when you're the defending national champs like Ottawa, if there are any 50-50 calls, I think it's fair to say they'll go your way. As a player, coach, whatever, I think you need to anticipate that and you need to know, hey, we can't make mistakes, you know, we just can't. That's it. And, you know, there were opportunities for Thomas to win it before this fourth quarter and put themselves in a better position. And they just simply did it. You know, you had three whole quarters before the last one, right? Um, that's the majority of the game. You could have put yourself in a better spot for sure. And so that's just what it comes down to. Obviously, that's a hard truth for sure. And that's tough love. But, I mean, I'm not going to deny either that, yeah, I mean, you were robbed of a couple of touchdowns and calls. And that sounds really bad to say, but you were. I mean, you could go back and look at the replay. They're all on, all on YouTube. NFL Flag, Day 3 and Day 2 live streams. You could stop the replay and look at it. It's it's not even really 50-50. It looks like they should be touchdowns, but they're not, you know, and that's just it. And so if you're Thomas, I think it's fair to feel frustrated. And, you know, I was talking to some people about it. I said, look, you know, because you lost to the defending national champs that got so far, people are just going to discredit you feeling bad. And they're not going to care if you feel, uh, you know, like you got cheated. They're just not going to, right? But what you... And what you as a program got to keep in mind is that you can't let that frustration boil over into next season. Because regardless, it's okay to feel bad. 
do it. Feel bad, you know, cope, whatever what you need to. Regardless, next year is going to come around. It's going to be January again. It's going to be February again. It's going to be March again. And then it's going to be May. And most likely, you're going to be in this same exact situation. And so you could either let the frustration from the past couple of years boil over and hurt you again uh, or hurt you potentially. Or you just got to take responsibility and be like, hey, we can't leave anything up to anybody. We have to take control of our own destiny. And that's just it. You know, that's that's definitely just it. Uh, but obviously, you know, love this Thomas squad, have so much respect for Coach Palmer and all these players. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is Brittany Delva's last ever college game, I want to say. I know she has at least a couple more years of eligibility, but I know she graduated with her master's. So unless she went after a doctorate, which I, I meant to look up, but I don't know if Thomasville uh, or Thomasville, if Thomas University has a doctorate's program. Um, but I just don't know because, I mean, you have to go to the school to play. And so, unfortunately, I think this is the end of the line for Britt Delva. And, I mean, look, she's a legend in her own right. She's great. Uh, she did so much for this program. She set the standard. She set what is to be expected out of Thomas moving forward, not only for, you know, the next two or three seasons, but for decades and decades to come. You know, and, you know, she's somebody that we're going to make sure nobody forgets about for sure, even if she uh, graduated and is moving on for sure, because she's definitely a legend in her own right. Right, Cody? Um, and also, I don't have too much more to say about Thomas. I'm good to talk about Ottawa kind of on the flip side of things here. Yeah, no, and Britt came to play. To, I mean, everyone came to play, but Britt was really leaving. You know, you could feel not like the desperation, but for lack of the word, like the desperation of clawing for, for that chip, clawing for that ring, and just, you know, scrapping to the bitter end uh, for, for Britt and this Thomas squad. Um, and I think you're right. And, you know, that's something that, I mean, a little off topic, but, you know, we were talking about it in the Nuggets game that we got to watch. Because uh, this is being recorded May 23rd, one day after the Nuggets made their first NBA Finals. And, you know, it was like LeBron was drawing calls and Jokic was waving his hands. And it's like, well, LeBron is going to get those calls. The Lakers are going to get those calls. Is it fair? No. Is it kind of a part part of the biz? A little bit. So you, I, I agree with anticipating that. Obviously, you don't want to anticipate it to the extent of, you know, costing you the entire game but you know i i think that that's a good point but all all thomas can do is control what they can control they have all the right pieces obviously obviously they have the pieces to win a national championship just got to stick to it but i think that now's a great time to turn the page to the three-peat dynasty that is the Ottawa Braves program under the Sour Sisters with essentially the same dynamic playmaking core of every season of NAIA flag football here. The Braves here, obviously, a dominant tournament showing. First team, I believe, to Mercy Rule Thomas. With, with the running clock in that 19-0 win. So historic there. Obviously the first winners of 
a double elimination NAIA flag football tournament. But overall, you know, the three Pete champs, obviously raking in at the all-tournament team, Madison Carrera at quarterback who played at the same level that she has all year, dominant. Jaslyn Camacho, who played dominant all year. And Alyssa Linkus, who is the all-tournament snapper and also the tournament MVP, who made some clutch catches in very opportune moments and even accidentally was contributing to big plays. I'm specifically... I'm specifically talking about the one that she tipped up to Camacho who caught it and then took off. Um, That was a wild play. The deflections were going crazy this weekend, not going to lie. Because, I mean, (laughs) it's just one extra angle to keep track of. And man, uh, tip drill is way more important, I'd say, in flag football that it is in tackle football, just mainly due to the nature of how much passing, how much more passing happens, obviously. But, you know, Ottawa here, look, they, they come in and they have the target on their back, right? That is just how it works. They are the team to beat. That's how it's been since before the season. That's how it is entering this tournament. They dispatch their, you know, KCAC opponent, their familiar one in Midland, uh, pretty handily in their opening game here. And then they get that. And then they just play Thomas or no, no, no. What they have the comeback win against Kaiser that you got to talk about Simon. So I actually pass that to you before we talk about the, the TO, the Thomas Ottawa trilogy from the Ottawa's perspective here. But I mean, look, Ottawa, at the end of the day, they get where they're supposed to be in the tournament. They get to where I project them to go. Uh, you had Kaiser in that matchup, but we both talked about in the preview, we would not be surprised either way. Yeah, no, for sure. I honestly don't want to talk too much about the Kaiser matchup and whatnot. Obviously, no disrespect to, or anything, you know, but uh, I mean, look, this is an experienced crew. Uh, and also, I just kind of want to wrap it up. I ain't going to lie. But I do have a couple points I do want to make here, obviously, though, because uh, I don't want to jip them of a good reaction here. But, yeah, I mean, look, Ottawa, they're really experienced. And so playing Kaiser, I mean, in a close game, they're not going to be rattled. They're going to keep their uh, nerve. And that's probably what makes them so dangerous, their nerve, I would say. Their confidence, for sure. And obviously, a lot of credit to the Sour Sisters for building such a confident program and a program that... You know, they're not going to go down without swinging. And even in their losses here, they didn't do that. I mean, they still really battled towards the end. And so, honestly, got to give them a lot of credit. That's why they were able to win this thing at the end. Because they face adversity the best and continue to play well, you know. And so, uh, I mean, you saw that in Kaiser. You saw that versus Thomas in these national championships. And, I mean, uh, look... We talk about all the experience they have, but I do want to talk about some of their newer members here. Uh, Well, first things first, I want to talk about their defense. Their defense had an all-time great tournament, like, weekend. Uh, They played so good, and they were so, like, tough to, like, play against and combat. I mean, 
they just brought so many different looks and I'm and like this is a team that I watched all year long and they experimented with a lot of different looks moving players to a bunch of different positions they're a pretty hard team to like key on specific players and know exactly what they're going to do because they do have that little two uh, rusher setup where one of them could also drop back and cover between DJ Paris and Suzanne Kaufman uh Suze Kaufman over there so it just makes things so much more complicated. Plus, you have Abby Brown, who played extremely well the last two days. Played like a champ. The champ that she is, really. Uh, you know, just making so many big plays that saved Ottawa from really difficult situations. And this defense in general played great. Uh, oh, sorry. And shout out to Jacani Washington. Another, I guess, kind of newcomer here as well. Who, you know, played really well. And, you know, she had some tough spots. But, you know, she made that stop on Janae Scott, which, you know, to her credit, that's one-on-one. -on -one. You have no help there. It's you versus her. And she won. You know, and so that's definitely big time for a freshman to do that. Especially because I'm pretty sure she's she's from Georgia. Uh, Decatur, I'm pretty sure. Hopefully I'm saying that right. And, and hopefully I'm right there in general. But that's definitely a big homecoming for her to win that. And for her to be a freshman out there. But her... Uh, Suze Kaufman, DJ Paris, those newcomers were really big time for this defense. And this defense as a whole just really stepped up. And they, pay, they played championship winning defense, honestly. They, they played really good defense throughout this season. Uh, and especially in the playoffs here. And, and that's important because offensively, I think this offense was maybe not as sharp as they could have been. Madison Carrera, especially, uh, I would say, in these last two games, was missing some passes that I've never seen her miss. Like, hitch routes. Throws to the flat. Uh, open, like, routes deep. You know, just off the mark. And so she kind of struggled. Um, it's I think it might be a sign of maybe, you know, just having an off game or maybe some exhaustion there because, you know, they really took him to the brink. Uh, Thomas did, and all these teams really did. And so... It was what it was. I mean, every great player is going to have a bad game. And so she really just had to trust her defense to come through to her, come through for her and her offense so that her offense would get a chance to score just enough. And that's what they did. So, you know, obviously Madison Carrera, she's going to lead there and keep the offense leveled. And then offensively, uh, you talked about Alyssa Linkus, completely agreed. Don't really have too much more to ask. Super well-deserving of, you know, being uh, one of the best players in the entire tournament. I felt like she was MVP, and she really, you know, bailed Ottawa out of some pretty difficult situations, I would say. She really did a lot for them, so huge credit to her. We know what she could do, though, and then, you know, I wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about our Texas players here. Uh, really just Addie Orsburn because unfortunately Lauren Clark didn't get in a whole bunch. But Addie, I mean, once more, a second straight postseason where she was the arguable game changer on offense. You know, being able to take something and uh, or take, you know, something really small and make something big out of it. Uh, put Ottawa in better field positions and, you know, not allow them to take sacks and stuff like that. Addie played great. And, you know, Thomas really had to battle with her. The battle between her and Janae Scott and Britt Delva, legendary for sure. But Addie, I mean, she did her job and you got to love that. You know, you just got to. At least I do. You know, hey, Texas forever. So there you go there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look. Ottawa, they've been here before. You know, we could talk about the controversy and all that stuff. I mean, hey, uh, a lot of that is on the refs, you know, just not keeping their nerve. 
which is the exact opposite of Ottawa, because I feel like for the most part, uh, you know, there are some parts where it got a little bit heated, but they still made plays. They made enough plays to win it. You know, I think there were opportunities for both teams to win it. And at the end, Ottawa made a lot of, uh, maybe not a lot more, but a good solid amount more plays. And you can't argue with three championships. Uh, and there's always going to be haters. That's what it's going to be. Uh, and I'm not trying to sound like a hater or anything. Obviously, you know, refs are going to be favored towards you if you're the defending national champs. That's just how it is. And not just flag football, but really any sport, honestly. But, I mean, you also still have to find a way to get it done. You got to score, you got to get stops, you got to catch footballs, you got to pull flags. And that's what they did. Um, Yeah, but a lot of credit to the defense. I think uh, the defense really won them this national championship. Uh, that might sound a little blasphemous, but I think I'm really uh, comfortable saying that. Just kind of just making Thomas and all these other teams really earn every yard up and down the field, you know? And the Sour Sisters agree with that sentiment. They've pointed out that their defense has, you know, been on the clutch end of things for the past three years. Uh, that came from Liz herself. So she pointed out, she brought it up, and so she wouldn't disagree. And, uh, you know, I think that I'd like to take this reaction time uh, to talk about my interactions with the Sours and the Ottawa team. Super pleasant great football minds enthusiasm uh ran into lauren clark she's like hey i gotta get a selfie for my mom and i was like all right cool so we got we got a picture together and then uh all, that was before the championship game and then one with her and uh her championship ring so you know that squad uh played great uh kaufman was really fun to hang out with at the showcase and uh <laughs> was low-key <laughs> tried to throw me under the bus talking to the KWU players. And so I had to defend myself. Simon, you would have been proud, honestly. Uh, gold medal antagonizers, the both of you. Uh, Hall of Fame <laughs> badge. So y- y'all would get I along like great. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> game recognized game. Literally, it's just y'all trying to slander me and be like, well, you said this. It was implied. And so I had to be like, no, no, no. So it felt like you was there low key uh, when, I was, when I was interacting with her. Um, so there's that, obviously. And then, uh, you know, obviously got to talk to uh, Madison Carrera. Uh, just shout out her game. And, you know, I'm just like, holy cow. And, you know, got to talk to Liz and talking about, you know, Madison wasn't sure about moving from wide receiver to quarterback. She really had to convince her to do that. And uh, I was like, well, I bet she's fine with scoring like over 50 touchdowns this season. So all is well that ends well. Um, You know, got to congratulate Camacho on her game. And they got to talk to Abby Brown. And (laughs) at first I was a little worried because I was like, you know, I was like, hey, like Abby, you know, Cody Stoffer, playmaker's corner. She she starts pointing her finger and like her, she's like really intense. She's like, you. And I was like, oh no, like. What did I say on the show? At first, I, at first, it gave me like flashbacks, like you know, when like parents hit you with a "you," it's like, oh no, what did I do wrong? Right? She's like, you were the one who was rocking with me for uh, for linebacker, and, and you had my back. I was like, yeah, that was me. And <laughs> Simon, I don't think I got to tell you this yet, but I was like, hey, but also like Simon says, what's up? And she like jokingly was like, well, you could tell him. Hi, Simon. 
in like a really monotone voice. <laughs> so we got a good laugh out of that. Uh, no lost love, like actually though. Uh, lots of support from all those Ottawa kids and, you know, all those Ottawa women and, you know, all those, you know, and all future Braves, I want to say, you know, I feel like, I feel like we're pretty, I felt like what talking to all of them and them looking forward to episodes and they said that they have a group chat and they're like, oh, did you, did you hear about uh, what they had to say about your play on Playmakers Corner and stuff? So they are very big fans of the show. Lots of love for for them and the Sour Sisters and what they do for Flag. Uh, they were busy because basically right after, it was straight off for uh, Orsburn and uh, Liz to U.S. Flag stuff. And so, you know, the grind never stops. Obviously, uh, Kennedy Foster was out there as well. And so, you know, uh, it's year-round. For, for the top of the top, it's year-round. And it ain't no joke. And so... Anybody that's outside the scene, get inside the scene, put some respect on their name, and, uh, you know, kudos to the parade that they had. It was literally a parade inside their city. Yeah! That's my Skip Bayless impersonation there. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) See, that's why you you really don't want to be the Skip Bayless of the show, but that's really you. This is, like, actual evidence. And this, uh, bro. No, no, no. (laughs) Hey, man, first off, I'm not white. So there's it's that. It's a parody. It's a parody. Bro. I did not say that it's on the podcast. <laughs> hey, don't edit that out either. By the way, oh, but I'm keep not. Going. No, it's sticking. It's sticking here. But you know, they they did. Uh, you know, have had the fire trucks and stuff, and they were waving the banner outside of the bus and driving by. And uh, you know, I, I also got to talk to uh, Linkus and congratulate her. And you know, uh, I got some great angles of her touchdowns uh especially that like one by the side um great throw by Carrera on that as well but uh you know obviously this auto team they're here they're the champs and and that's that you know what I mean they they are three Pete they're a dynasty to start this um and you know I, obviously I'm one who who believes in in parity for for competitive sake but you know you look at like the beginning of most most sports and and the start looks similar to this and so ottawa is you know that that dynasty to kick off uh women's flag football here and and that's the word that's the word is is dynasty once you get that third third is the word so congrats to this ottawa team Super proud, uh, absolute pleasure and honor talking to them. All a bunch of great, uh, great people. Uh, the assistant coaches were awesome. I actually bumped into them on my way back to the hotel. Um, they were like, hey, you should come get a drink. But honestly, I was pretty burnt by that point because that second game and I needed to go back to the hotel and, uh, you know, like change clothes and stuff. But, um, Cody will Overall, then proceed to go get a drink somewhere else and watch the Nuggets game. Well, they wasn't <laughs> where they said they was going to be anymore by the time I got out and about, all right? So, chill. They weren't still at Hard Rock. They told me to check out Hard Rock. They weren't still there. So, Oh, so, okay, so you is. pulled up. I at least walked by, yeah. Oh, you did you walk in or did you walk by? Yeah. 
Wait, which one? In. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well. So well, th- there's like an hour and a half gap. No, it's fine. It's fine. Gap. Yeah. yeah. Between this. Um, also, go Nuggets. But anyways, I digress. Dynasty, check. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, real quick though. I mean, yeah, hey, and I really want to make this clear. I don't want to make it sound like we're taking away from their wins and whatnot by talking about the refs, because at the end of the day, that's really on the refs. Uh, You got to get your stuff together. And, I mean, you call it how it is, and honestly, at the end, I mean, it's still they still lost that first game, you know. Um, And then it came down to a game seven. Arguably, this was probably, I mean, this was pretty improbable, to be honest with you. Uh, and I mean, they were kind of in a tough spot, just losing to Thomas, having to play them again. And Thomas is, I mean, both teams are locked in at this point. And so, I mean, at the end, you have to make plays to win. Uh, that's it. You know, and you got to put yourself in positions to do that and whatnot. I mean, and this defense just played really well. I got, I got to praise them a lot here. Um, Kaufman, hey. You know, Cody says you're an instigator. I respect your game. They use her in so many different roles that it makes it really hard to, like, do a good pre-snap read, to be honest with you. Uh, And I respect that because... She's hard to anticipate, for sure. Oh, yeah. And makes great plays in the pass game and is one of the best rushers in the nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And, you know, that, I mean, we probably played pretty similar positions low-key when I was on defense because I was a linebacker safety hybrid type, too. You know, and so I definitely get it, and I respect that. She's great. DJ Paris, you know she's going to bring the energy. Uh, they really, I mean, you. it's really hard to play in for both, honestly, because you know they're both going to, you know, get a good get-off and then, you know, really chase you down and put you in a difficult spot as a quarterback. And so both of those players got to give them a lot of credit. And then, hey, Abby, I'm going to talk to you directly right here. I don't even know if you're listening to this because we're currently at 3 hours and 31 minutes jesus christ and 30 seconds but i respect your game don't get it twisted i may not vote for you which doesn't make it sound better disrespect <laughs> disrespect hey, but disrespect but you you came to play and i respect it and honestly ottawa partially what i mean obviously they won this championship but she was a huge part of that i mean she played so well and you could see, because she's basically the middle linebacker, Mike Backer, right? Uh, she communicates really well with this defense here. And you could kind of see her take command. And she's like the general out there. And, I mean, you got to respect it. You know, I, I've been in that similar uh, position, and it's hard to do. And, obviously, she's a vet. She's won more than me. And, you know, hey, um, that's big time. And, also, I'm pretty sure she's a three-year player as well. Which, I mean, we're wrapping this thing up here, you know, as we should. And so, uh, I mean, look, Ottawa, they've won a bunch. Even if they don't win next year, which they're still the favorite to go win it next year, I would say. Uh, you still got your three. I think the bigger storyline, in my opinion, is that next year is the last year of their core. Uh, I'm talking Carrera, Linkus, uh, I'm pretty sure Linkus, uh, Camacho as well. Abby Brown, I'm pretty sure, too. You know, you're, you're losing a really good amount. Uh, Scalisi, I'm pretty sure, as well. You know, that would, th- this next year is going to be our fourth year. Uh, you know, and so, I mean, this it's going to be interesting to see how they go out, you know, to end their era. Because it is their era of, uh, you know, women's flag football right now. 
And so we'll see what happens. And, you know, I think uh, something to look out for for sure going into next year uh, is, you know, maybe some players that might be incorporated a little bit more to prepare for the future, you know, because they could definitely afford it. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Oh, and I'm pretty sure Kaufman and Paris, uh, I mean, they spent their first couple years with different programs. But I want to say they are also entering their last year. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, I mean, regardless of what class you are, a lot of fourth-year players uh, going into this next year here. So it will definitely be interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see how Ottawa retools because they will definitely be missing the most players i would say uh, most likely right yeah no i think that there's gonna be a lot of change on the horizon but to to give ottawa and the sours credit they recruit pretty dang well uh obviously it's gonna be different obviously that experience and leadership is something that you're going to see but it may be what I mean it's one of those things too where like a lot of these young players do get a lot of playing time whenever they're up really big especially in the regular season so you know it's I I think that even with all these players graduating potentially next year and moving on to the next phase of their life you're still going to have obviously not that same level of championship experience and DNA but you're still going to have plenty of experience. I don't think it'll be like a new egg hatching, you know, and starting completely from scratch is something to note there as well. They're still going to be competitive. I think as long as the Sours are there, uh, this Ottawa team is going to be a threat to win a tutty, um, win a title anytime. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not disputing that. It's just going to be different faces to do that. I mean, they're going to have to be forced to win with different faces two years from now. So uh, we'll definitely see. I know Lauren Clark is back there, and they've been really prepping her, and so she's going to be a huge part of uh, this Russian group. I mean, she already is, but, like, you know, once uh, Kaufman and DJ Paris move on, I think she's going to be a big part of that. And, I mean, hey, you know me. I support all uh, Texas players on the next level uh, a whole ton, and I'm biased, so I'll, I'll take that on the chin. But, uh, yeah, there you go there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically it for our reactions. Uh, Cody, you got more coming up, right? Yes, I do. Luckily for our listeners, uh, the showcase segment is going to be the shortest segment of this episode, and uh, we'll put a nice little bow on this tournament and season and, uh, you know, give us a small look into the future of NAIA flag football. Or just flag football, actually, in general. Uh, so stick around. But that'll do it for this segment and for Coach V on this episode. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us, and uh, we'll catch you later. We'll still do uh, – we have some final end-of-the-year award stuff to do, so you'll hear back from me one final time then. But uh, thank you so much for the support. We honestly appreciate it so much. And we'll catch you later. And then real quick here at the twilight of this episode, just want to talk about the showcase that was hosted by NFL Flag at Mercedes-Benz Superdome where you know they had coaches for every single position and players constantly rotating, switching from offense to defense. They had good linebacker drills going on, wide receiver drills going on, quarterback drills is primarily the side that I hung out on, but I did go and check out the corners and stuff like that. But, you know, 
There are a ton of players from Georgia, seeing as how they're in their fourth year of their flag football program. I talked to somebody who's an advocate for flag football in Georgia, as well as has a travel club team during this showcase as well, just trying to talk about growing the sport and some players that he has. Um, there's one girl that he has who's like six foot three already and is in high school. So she's been getting talked to by obviously some of these colleges and whatnot. And then the biggest representation that I saw out there for scouting was Kitty Sowers was there the entire time, as well as the KWU coaching staff was out there. And they also had players out there who were scouting, getting down names, talking about like a 364, 365 that was putting on a good show, a 166. And, you know, just jotting down numbers of these athletes that moved very, very well. In the wide receiver line, I saw a lot of future DBs, personally. Um, and then in the quarterback line, there was a number, I want to say it was 109 or 190. I know that's a pretty big gap, but there's a quarterback out there that was dropping dimes and uh, just showing good touch on a lot of her passes, which is not something that was really reflected throughout a lot of the other line as well. So just really well put together and very enthusiastic coaching from all sides. They got them very excited. They got them pumped up. You also had some, you know, girls from Florida and Alabama, a lot less than Georgia. Georgia was the most well-represented out there for sure. But I think that there is a lot to be excited about. The Weber head coach was out there, as well as some coaches from some new programs were also out there doing scouting, offering, trying to get, you know, Two years of school can can be paid for, apparently, with these NAIA uh, flag scholarships. You know what I mean? So that's a pretty good deal. And then a lot of these girls are multi-sport athletes, whether it's track and field, whether it's basketball, whether it's softball. There are a lot of overlapping athletes here. So if you get partial athletic scholarship for two sports and academic you can bundle together a full ride, but it's through multiple different scholarships technically, but that's still a heck of a deal, honestly. And so that's why we need to get Colorado football moving and get them out there, honestly, and uh, continue to get these players exposed and whatnot. Because I think that, you know, I think back to our Colorado State Championship Day, and I think there's plenty of athletes that would have really showed out at this showcase, you know, very basic, you know, running go routes. They had Atlanta Falcon players out there helping with the drills and, you know, throwing the routes, helping with their footwork, lots of footwork drills. Uh, lots of that needs some work and whatnot. But, you know, just talking with members of the community, we're saying a lot of these players here just started playing flag very, very recently, right? So if we can continue to grow flag, we're saying in about four to six years, that's when we're going to really see a huge corner turned because that means that that entire class of girls will have gotten the opportunity to play flag football through all four years of high school, right? That's where if you could get that freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior season in, like a lot of these Florida players do already, you're going to start seeing a turn, and that's going to happen by state per state. So Arizona, probably in four to five years, going to take a huge turn. Colorado, hopefully get that sanction, take a big turn right there. And a lot of states with flag football apparently have been able to jump straight into sanctioning it after only one year, just because of how popular it is. So I hope that Chassa is able to turn that corner. 
Hopefully the Denver Broncos can host something here sometime. I know that uh, you know they have flag events from NFL Flag happening all the time. Simon and myself are planning to check out one on June 24th, potentially. So, you know, there is still a lot of room for growth, but it was just incredible to see all these girls or, you know, these future college athletes, hopefully, come out, do their thing, exercise, have fun, play a sport, do these drills, and just really be pioneers for the sport. I mean, the show out was, I want to say, around 500 or something like that. There are a lot of athletes on the field at once. Lots of long lines, but they did a good job of moving through them very, very well. And, you know, I think that it was just a great time to talk to a lot of the coaches, a lot of the people behind NFL Flag, who did such a great job of putting on this event, as well as the entire weekend, getting a chance to talk to coaches and advocates for women's flag football and girls' flag football and just flag football on a broad space. And, of course... We want to talk about, you know, football in general is being advanced by flag football's advancement. So just wanted to take some time, talk about the showcase a little bit here at the end, and just let y'all know that it was an awesome showcase put on by NFL Flag, and they got them all shirts as well as food. So, you know, shout out to NFL Flag and all those coaches as well down on the field helping out in the Atlanta Falcons for having some people come out and, you know, just put on something that I think is very inspiring and makes me feel very good about where the sport is heading and where it's at. But that will do it for this basically four-hour episode here. Thank you all so much for rocking with us. I've been your host, Cody Stoffer, and I was joined by Simon Villanos on the reactions. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, whether that's Playmakers Corner or specifically on Twitter at Playmaker Corner where we always post our episode covers and all of our new content. And if you're listening to this, you might be listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or potentially on our YouTube. Be sure to subscribe, like, or follow us on all those and leave us a good rating as well. We appreciate all the feedback and especially all the fan support that we have gotten this season. And be on the lookout for end of the year awards voting that is going to be on Twitter and reposted on Instagram, but you will have to find us on Twitter to have your vote counted for that. And yeah, until next season, this has been good, uh, good flag football to cover, and thank you all so much.